Welcome to the Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, episode number 87. I'm Dave Z, 87, yes. Hi, everybody. My name's Christian. Brandon, good morning. It's a very strange... I, I don't like introducing myself. Well, we don't like it either, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. It doesn't... Does it feel natural to you? No, no, like but it's Dave, okay. When Dave, when Dave, it sounds really natural when Dave says it. Wow, really? Because well, like, hey. I already said something. It's like, hey, I'm Dave Z. Like, you sound like you're introducing someone else when you say you're Dave Z. <laughs> and it just sounds very natural. Christian, you sound fine too, but I definitely feel, you know, like like you don't want to be doing it. And when I say it, it just it, I, I cringe. Well, it's not that I don't want to do it. I'm always waiting. A, you're not on video, so I can't see you right now. B, I don't know if you're about to jump in or if Dave's going to continue talking. And every time I do it, Dave continues to talk. Yeah, we, we never know if Dave's going to continue talking or not. That's true. That's been a problem. You think, <laughs> you think the fans want Grimsby today? Grimsby is back. Yeah. That's where we'll let it in, and none of this will be uh, would have been heard. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. This is a what a what a situation this is. This is a, we're stepping to the AM in this in this day and in, in, in this morning for this show. This is a an AM recording. Absolute Dave will not be here. I'm sorry. Um, it's it's what time is it? Like uh, hold on. Just after nine. Nine nineteen, and um, I'm gone, but I'm not that far. Actually, I'm not even that gone anymore. Uh, but I'm, I couldn't drink vodka at nine twenty in the morning. It ain't gonna happen. So I'm back to. Uh, Tim Hortons, Dave. <laughs> Colombian, <laughs> Dave. Colombian car. Dark roast, yeah. Dave. <laughs> Dark roast, Dave. <laughs> nice. Woo! It's, it's actually spunk. Yeah, spunk. It's actually pumpkin spice, hat, thought, for that matter. Blumpkin spice. Blumpkin <laughs> spice. And it's kind of early, but my wife already bought the pumpkin spice. Usually, I have the the stuff I have in the house, the cream or something. It's the Hershey's uh, something or other. Highway. But. What's that? <laughs> highway. Highway? Take <laughs> the Hershey Highway. He's, he's on fire, man. Yeah, buddy. Maybe Z- about 21 lines. <laughs> we got to step to the AM more often. Yeah. The Sunday morning call has got to be what it's about, apparently, because uh, this is the first time thing for us. We're usually in the evenings. Maybe this will be our new gimmick. Maybe we'll be a morning show. You know? <laughs> the morning drive. Yeah. <laughs> Horror in the morning with B, C, and D. Here we are, you know? We have to have crazier names. You can't just be Christian. I'm going to be like Chainsaw Charlie. (laughs) It's a horror show. We're here with Diamond Dave, Chainsaw Charlie. Or Christian. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why Charlie's my new name. (laughs) Well, Chainsaw Charlie's got a ring. I can dig it, yeah. (laughs) Chainsaw Chainsaw Charlie. Charlie. Charlie and, and, and Grimsby. Chainsaw Charlie here. Good morning, show. Yeah. Well, guys, how was your weekend? You know, all that bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> the news sucks. Um, the traffic almost always sucks. Alternate and... side parking is in effect today. Ah. <laughs> Are you guys getting a heat wave, too? Speaking of the weather. Yeah, we're doing the weather. So, I mean, yes. Weather on the twos. Weather on the twos. 22. Uh, that's why I have the pumpkin spice going on. That's why I'm not, I'm not happy about the pumpkin spice because I can't drink pumpkin spice coffee until I feel it's October weather. It, it, it seems unnatural to me. You know how you can smell that in the air and feel it in October, right? Oh, they're bringing yeah. it out in the end of August now. Everything gets you know pushed forward a bit. Back to school now you get in July. 
pumpkin spice now last week of, of august it seems i'm getting ready for the summer already <laughs> next summer <laughs> maybe this year you'll get some sun indeed you pale indeed. motherfucker yeah maybe. yeah maybe yeah yeah maybe this is the morning show holy shit we're not gonna talk horror at all we're gonna talk about weather and chainsaws <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and I'm getting I'm getting attacked already. See, this is the problem with doing something in the morning. My wife's texting me, "Good morning, baby. I need to give Lucky his meds." So that's going to lead into the whole situation with with, with me and my cat. And I did I did a video the other day, and it's funny because I, I know our show just came out, and I haven't been online and everything else very sparingly, and I planned on staying that way. And then this this situation presented itself with um this cat, and it's been a week and a day, but. I'll get right to it because I talked about it on the live video I did. And one of the reasons I made a live video, well, number one, because I was bored and I was walking my dog, which is what I do. And uh, number two, because I'm slowly going to make my way back on the internet with a, a new and improved attitude. But this has to do with, with nothing else but a cat. <laughs> and I know, I know, I know it's weird. It's, it's, it's something that's happened to me and it feels like it's, I don't know, my, my whole attitude is different. And I think it's like, it's like here to stay. I'll try to make this sh short. It's it's I, no promises, but uh, at least hopefully you guys can you know bust my balls or something and make it entertaining. The people that don't give a shit about cats, sorry to people that you know don't. But I'll get it out of the way because I talked about it on the thing and some people wanted to hear it, so I'll make it quick. Well, I won't. But uh, <laughs> okay. So last week I'm driving. It's Saturday. It's about 11 a.m. and I'm I'm doing my FedEx. One of the jobs I have is delivering for FedEx. I'm on this country area. And I drive up to this house, and I'm delivering a tire to the house. Now, since becoming a cat guy, because I, I, I've had my two cats for the past like year and so many months now, I really do like cats. You know, it's like I was telling my wife just last month because one of my other jobs is reading meters at houses. So I go up to houses all the time. I see animals and shit all the time. Peer through the so, windows. <laughs> <laughs> I really do enjoy cats, and I never knew this until I, I had some. Now, every time I see a cat. I give it a little call. I say hello, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, kitty, you know, you know, I do my thing. So, but I just, you know, I see a cat laying outside or chilling, whatever. And one of two things happens. One, it runs away because now I know where scaredy cats come from. You know, they, they don't want to be bothered. They're a little afraid. And the other, they come over to you. And when they your come eyes over, <laughs> No, that hasn't happened yet. Although this one could have. <laughs> but no, uh, they come over. And you know they, they they greet you and they they put their uh, they rub their head up against your your hand and they're loving animals that say hello and I'm on my way you know so I pull up to this house and um it's like a stone driveway and the house is to the left and to the right's like this um garage that's you know um, separated from the house you know and I park my vehicle it's a big uh, FedEx van and I see the cat there laying in the grass and I was like hi kitty you know what I mean okay and I just looked and whatever. And then didn't come over, didn't do anything, just chilled. But it, it was far enough back. So then I, I, I scanned the tire, and I, and I put the tire on, on, on the porch. And I noticed that there's another tire that was delivered yesterday from another FedEx driver. I'm like, well, these people are either A, aren't home, or B, they're just not getting their shit, whatever. So I scanned the tire, I put it on there. This whole thing takes maybe less than a minute, you know? And I'm, I walk a tire, I scan, I put it on the porch. I turn around, the cat is no longer there. I don't think much of it. Okay, the cat ran off, whatever. I go up to my car to get into my front door. The cat's in front of my vehicle, and it's coming over to me, and it's 
kind of a weak meow, you know. And I'm like, hey, kitty. It's funny because I actually videotaped. It's like I knew something was going to happen. First, I took a picture when I saw it, and then I videotaped my meeting with it. It was really weird. But now the cat comes up to me, little tiny kitten, little black kitten, and and it's crying. And I'm like, well, the first thing I thought of was, and then I came up to it, it was bony as hell, just bad. Oh, dude. And I had to give this. I had to give it some food. I had nothing left but my noisy chips over here. I had crumbs left from my chips. Okay. Now I felt that bad that I tried to give this thing crumbs from my bag because it felt like it looks like it's starving and it wants something. So I'm trying to give it crumb that's not taken to him. I, I tried to dump uh, my my water and my bottle cap and give it to him, give him something to drink. Nothing. Then I'm like, what am I gonna do? Then then I I'm trying to leave. I didn't want to leave. But what can I do? You know? Yeah. I'm trying to leave and it it gets in front of my. It keeps running under my car. Oh and no! I'm like, I can't do this. I gotta get it out. I gotta trick it or something. So then I walk to the back door and I decide I'm going to knock on this people's door and say, hey, there's a cat out here. It looks like it's in trouble. Is it your cat? Um, so I go, I knock on the door. There's no answer. The cat did, in fact, follow me. I came back. I had a clear path to pull out. I, I said my goodbye to the cat. I said, I, you know, I felt bad about it. What can I do? <laughs> said my goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Farewell, kitty. <laughs> I felt terrible. I didn't want to leave it, but I can't. I'll bring you more crumbs tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I got two more tires to deliver. <laughs> <laughs> they're buying one a day these bricks <laughs> I know well thank god though thank god that they did get in that way otherwise I never would have met the cat but so this happens and I pull out and I feel terrible and I start immediately calling everyone I can think of SPCA animal control I call about three four numbers pulling to the side this that you know and, and even doing so when I was driving which I shouldn't do but I was rushing for work and it was a country road I was alone I was panicked about the cat so to speak. So nobody's around. And this is Saturday morning at like 11. And nobody's answering. Nothing's going on. Everything's closed. I'm like, what the? F-? And I'm, I said, you know what? If I leave this cat here and, and, and nobody's around till Monday, this cat's not going to last two more days. This cat was bony. It didn't, didn't look good. Uh, its eyes had a little bit of yellow stuff in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I call my wife and I say, listen, uh, each passing minute, I'm feeling worse and worse about this. I can't just let this happen. And now they had to go somewhere. They had an appointment at three to get my daughter's hair done, which is an all day event. So <laughs> it is, uh, she's getting braids and this and that and the other thing and yada, yada, yada. They my wife's like, listen, she's like, I'll come up there and I'll pick up the cat. If you go back and get it now. I said, you will. I go, you got the appointment. I'm two hours away. She's like, well, I'll call her. We'll be late. We'll figure it out. And I said, okay. I said, awesome. I said, thank you. I'm going to go back right now. And hopefully it's still there. And I went back. It was like 10 minutes away. I drove back up, pulled up. The cat was walking around. I, I, I picked Totally it healthy. It had put on 20 pounds. <laughs> not quite Not quite sure it was the same cat. <laughs> but I felt better about it. It was white all of a sudden. <laughs> it was a calico when I came back. There you are. Yeah. I just picked up any cat that I saw. Yeah. Damn it. I, want, I, I told my wife. Now she's going to get mad. I got to get a cat. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, he was there. I picked him up, poor little bony thing. I picked him up and I put him in, a, and it, it sat in my lap as I'm driving. Did not want to leave my lap. Just kept oh. looking up at me and, and trying to meow. Such a loving little thing. Probably grateful to be out of the heat. And, and you know, someone took him away from whatever hell was happening. He had a fly attached to the freaking back of his butt, dude. I, I was sickened by the whole freaking the whole thing. How anyone can let this happen to did, this little kitten? So did you go back and slash the tires? 
<laughs> Sons of bitches, I should have. Yeah. F you. Yeah. You're right, I should have freaking, I should have stolen the tire from the day before, not the one I just brought, because they'd be too obvious. I, I was getting a little worried, because I thought the story was going to go that I went, picked up the tire, and put that cat out of its misery. I'm kidding. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I felt terrible, dude. But as soon as I got him in there, he was all about me. He was all happy. And I, I had to take him off a couple times because I'm, I'm, I'm working. So I had to pick him up and put him on the, you know, the, the passenger seat to get out and, you know, deliver my packages. And every time I did it, he's like, luckily he had strength. I didn't know how much strength he had because the way he was walking and stuff, he, he has a weird walk and his head wobbles a little bit and shit. So I'm like, I don't know if he's sick or it's from malnutrition or what the deal is. But he had enough energy that every time I got up, he wanted to come out. He was like walking across where uh, I it's like a big truck and has a you know place for your drinks. He's walking across that thing trying to get to me. So he wanted to be with me, and he just kept looking up at me, and I'm holding him as I'm driving and everything. Cause he's so small, he could fit into my lamp, and I'm driving. You know, my hands are on the steering wheel. It's not, you know, it's not an obstruction at all. It's not like having you know my dog walk across me or something. There's a company called Chewy, dude. People order this shit by the box, and when I say the box, I mean like 20 pound boxes for their animals. And I'm in this farm area to living around. Some people have like freaking six dogs and two cats and this and that. And I, I was so mad in the morning cause I was delivering one house. I was delivering these six 20 pound freaking boxes of, of chewy. Right. <laughs> but, but I knew that it was only two deliveries away from when I picked up the cat. So I'm thinking maybe these people are animal lovers. Maybe I can get some food or, you know, maybe they'll, you know, I'll tell them I, I found the cat on the side of the road or whatever. And they can help me. So sure enough, I got there and I asked them, they did bring the cat in. They fed it. The lady said it ate like it never ate before, and uh, it drank some water. And they gave it back to me, and, and she said, well, she's like, I don't know. She's like, good luck. I hope the cat survives. And that's what I'm thinking. And then I, that's what I would tell my wife when I called. I go, you know what? Even if this cat dies, uh, at least it, it's going to you know, it's gonna go out a better way knowing that there, there's somebody in the world that, that yeah, cares for it, that, you know, that instead of whatever happened to it, that it's all discarded. You know, at least it, it can pass with some, you know, a compassionate person or people around it. The, the, the prognosis wasn't good. That's what I was thinking. That's what she was thinking. Then when I met my, my wife, she said the same thing. She's like, oh, she goes, I don't know. My daughter started crying, dude. Oh. Bad scene. Yeah. You know, so we got it home. I was working, of course. My wife, uh, they bathed it. They, they, gave it, they gave it a nice bath in, in the kitchen sink with some Dawn soap. And she has a friend that uh, has all this stuff. That, that, that uh, That's where we got our cats from. And they said, we'll take it. And I'm like, no. The thing is, if they took it, that'd be the end of it. Uh, I'd never see it again. And I said, you know what? I just tell tell them thank you, but no thank you. If someone's gonna help this cat, it's gonna be me. This cat insisted on coming to me when it saw me. There's a reason for it. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, that's all there is to it. I'm I'm gonna keep the cat. We went home. She, she they cleaned the cat up because it had shit on its tail, like syrupy type shit. I don't know what this poor baby went through, but it went through something. He had a a, a scratch on his head, like where his hair should be, and the very top is like a zigzag type thing and so the cat's all cleaned up and then sunday morning we uh took it to the hospital and they gave it some antibiotics and then we had an appointment with the vet on on monday everything was different then they um they said that he had fleas they said that he had worms Aww. um he had upper respiratory infection and that it had to be isolated if it lived for at least 10 days so the other animals in the house because it could have rabies and they said be careful and, and, and it had uh, anemia you know, the blood was messed up, all all kinds of issues. So we got the medicines for the, you know, the congestion problems that it had. We got eye drops. His eyes are, are better now. 
it's been a, a process. He's eating really good. Every day he's getting better. He's walking around more. Every night he has to be babied. He has, he has to be put separated from the other animals. He, so he's in this room, the guest room. He has to go to bed in the cage. He uses his little litter box we gave him. And I baby him for an hour and he loves to be held. I take him outside, give it some air. And, and, and my wife's been great. She spends time with him, gives him medicine. So literally we're, we're taking this cat that was like just about, even the, the vet said, and we're still not out of the woods yet. She's like, if he survives, he goes, the next 10 days are going to be touch and go. Well, today's day eight now. He's getting stronger. He's getting bigger. You know, everything's going along with him. His eyes are nice and clear now. We can see he has pretty eyes. Couldn't see any of that stuff before. That's the kind of shape he was in, you know. But I even took a picture yesterday, and I showed my wife. I go, this is him a week ago, and this is him now. And what a difference, you know. So it's been an experience, and, and I sit there every night, and, and I hold him, and I look at him, and I name him Lucky. And, you know, that's he's lucky he found me, and I'm lucky I found him. He didn't come to me that moment. And I didn't come to that house that moment. None of this happens. Who knows what happens to the poor cat? The podcast would be canceled. <laughs> yeah. The podcast, you guys wouldn't. You don't understand well, the, the repercussions that this would have had. <laughs> nice story. I can't, it is I can't a very even. nice story. I, I, I'm interjecting really bullshit comedy into the middle of it. Lucky, lucky Mazzie. <laughs> nice. He's a sweetheart, though. I hope he stays that way. He still has some, some ways to go. I mean,. I'll check it, check it out though. To sum it up, yesterday, I went up, I went to the house because I had a delivery like maybe a mile away from that that house where I found him last week. So I'm on the phone. My wife I said, "You know what? As long as I'm here, I'm gonna go to that other house and I'm gonna see if anyone's there and I'm gonna ask him about this cat because I want to know because I people at work know about it and this and that. everyone has a different opinion. Oh, it's this. Maybe it escaped something. Maybe it, it, it's a barn cat. And and I'm thinking. Stop making excuses. Somebody had this cat and freaking didn't want it and, and tr- treated it like shit. And I, and I know it. And so I go to the house yesterday and I pull up and there's this lady sitting on the front steps and I asked her about this cat. And she goes, oh, she goes, she goes, I don't live here. She goes, I'm watching the kid though. But the kid has a lot of cats. So they called the, she called the kid to come out. Some 10, 11 year old kid comes out and I asked him about the cat. And I said, cause I was here and this day I knocked on the door. I was just wanting to know if it was okay. And if it was your cat and the kid's like, he's like, yeah, she, he goes, oh, he's gone. I said, I said, where is he? Uh, I, I think he's dead. He was sick and, uh, and, and probably diseased, and, and he had some problems. I'm like, okay. That's really all I had to hear. So either the kid's an asshole or his parents are an asshole, and they had a sick cat, and they discarded it. Either Sounds way. like both. What 10, 10, 11-year-old kid says he doesn't know what happened to the cat, to his cat? Yeah, you're right. And I, I feel better about the fact that I took it now and everything else, and that he, what kind of life would he have had even if he was freaking no, you did. You did the right thing. They don't. They don't deserve to have any cats. I'd go back and steal the rest of them. I wish I could. Believe yeah. me, my wife said no more cats. You know, because <laughs> she knows I have the soft spot, and so does she. I mean, she she adores this cat. It's like being newborns. We we have having a newborn. We have to stay up with it. We got to get it up a couple times a night and give it medicine and everything else. And it's are, are you breastfeeding it? <laughs> Bottom line is at the end of it all. When I look down at this kitty and see everything that's happened, I know it probably sounds corny to people, but I just, I don't know. I feel a lot better about a lot of things in life. And um, I'm, I'm lucky that to have this, had this experience and, you know, nursing this cat back to health and, and everything else. It's been, um, I don't know. It's been like an, an enlightening experience. And I know it probably sounds cheesy as fuck. Like, why is this such a big deal to him? I can't explain why. No, and as you're telling the story, I'm just thinking to myself, like, how am I going to edit this down and make it entertaining for everybody? <laughs> <laughs> just every time he says cat, just just put in dog. <laughs> you know, put in a, a bark. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, oh. the way some people treat animals, it's it's the worst. It really is, man. It really is. And this kitty's got a heart of gold. And, and you know, it is what it is. But I'll mitzvah. tell you what. You did a mitzvah. A mitzvah? What's that a mean? Mitzvah. A good deed. A good deed? Yeah, well, who couldn't? That's what I don't get. People tell me that, and the people that work and this and that, I would have left it. I'm like, how? What? who could possibly leave a cat that comes up to you when you know something that it's weak and bony as hell? Oh, my God, how bony it was. When I picked it up, I thought I was going to break him. I could. I've got leather who seats. Who could possibly? I'm kidding. <laughs> Unfortunately, Dave, you know, as much as I, I would agree with you, and I would and I, I definitely would have done the same thing, a lot of people would just be like, oh, not my problem. It's just some people suck. Uh, apparently yeah Simple it, as that. but the, and the fact that some people suck is something that that i accept <laughs> and i don't care about uh, trivial things anymore which is why i am going to slowly make my way back to the internet I, I i slowly have done a thing here and there my whole attitude about things on the internet i don't really care about things i cared about before like even this whole thing that it, i don't care if people are saying things in chat now Oh, wow, Dave's he's coming back to the fucking internet. So much for that. I, I, you knew this was going to happen. I don't care if people are doing things like that and, and whatever. I, I None of that matters to me. Like, I don't even want to weigh in. Like, even when I'm looking at Facebook, just scrolling, someone said something the other day about the best uh, horror of something, something, something. You know my attitude about best and favorites being the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Somebody said something, and then Moods came in there and said, how come you guys are always talking about best? He goes, how can you do this? He goes, you should really be asking for favorites. Now, in the past, I would have weighed in under moods and said, well, moods the way I think it is, best and favorites are the same thing, and I'll explain why. You didn't listen to the show, but I'll tell you my whole analogy. I'm to the point now, and there's nothing negative about that, but I know that's just going to lead into a conversation that it's it's pointless. It, a lot of the stuff is pointless. I would rather just not even weigh into anything that, I don't know, that, that that is anything like that that could be considered debatable or anything like that. I just yeah. kind of like the way you guys are. Like you you two, your internet activity is is pretty chill. To be honest, I mean, when it comes to the horror community, I really I I've never let anything bother me. I've seen things where I see other people and I'm like, geez, what the hell is this? But like, I kind of just you know, I just know to avoid it when when oh. it's ridiculous and. Get involved when I know it's safe. And I'm more of an asshole. I really don't care. And I hate to admit it. It, it, it sucks. Like, I, I just really don't care what a lot of people have to say. I'm sorry, well, no, guys. Like, I, I understand what you're saying. Because at the end, I mean, I, I know you're kind of saying it like half jokingly, but at the end of the day, you're right. Like, yeah, like, at the end of the day, like, if you hate a movie I love or you love a movie I hate, it doesn't affect me. I'm not mad at you. No. Yeah. Like, Why really... should it affect? Yeah. Why should it affect anybody? But it does. We've got people that will just say asinine things, and I I feel like it's to fuel fire. So then I'm like, well, I'm not interested in that anyway. But like, it comes to the right. point where just like, I guess your opinion doesn't matter to me. The more important thing is, Christian. <laughs> I was not aware of this. Did you know Dave Z was even gone from the internet? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. But the thing is, I'm creeping back in slowly, and I, but but a, a new way, not as active, and not not as much. And the funny thing is, all of a sudden, everybody's tagging me. Ever since I walked away from it, I'm getting a tag like every three days. I, I noticed that. Tagged me before. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I'm like, oh, what the hell? So now I'm slowly coming back to the talking part, and I feel I should. Why should I let a few bad apples, you know, or not even bad apples? My reactions to to things mess everything up, uh, and and enjoy 
the good times that, that I could be having with some people online. You know what I mean? It's it's silly. Like, my attitude now is this. Like, a, a silly, stupid thing that was said in the chat room about the Wadzi party being a freaking stupid name for a podcast caused ridiculous nonsense when it was nothing. It was nothing. It's so silly. Like, in the past, yeah, okay, Derek and Mood said something to Watson. Watson told me I said something on the air. Derek got mad because I said something back about it. it, it, it now that's squashed, but it was some little thing that – now, this is, this is what I'm saying. Now, me, the way I am now, if that whole thing happened again and Watson came to me and said, hey, this happened and these guys said this and this, I would just laugh about it, and I wouldn't even say anything on the air about it. That's the difference. That's, that's Dave <laughs> now. Again, it's over with now, but the bottom line is this. You don't know how people are going to react. So the way the person I am now, I would just not say anything at all. I would just laugh about it. I go, <laughs> I go. they don't get it? I go, that, that's funny. And that'd be the end of it. Why did I find the need to talk about it or even write about it uh, online is beyond, even though it was all in fun. So I just don't care about things like that anymore. Or I, I'm finding myself pulling away from giving a shit about too many things. I just want to have fun. I, that's, all, that's all I want to do with my life is have as much fun as I can. And that's and that, that's Amen. where I'm coming from because if I come from a negative standpoint and the way that I describe that, it's because I'm just there for fun. I really don't care. It's rare, though, that these, um, that these negativity posts come into play, but it seems like when they do, they just garner so much reaction from people. Yeah. Even though the people who are reacting are saying, oh, I don't care, I'm done with this. But they're reacting to it, and it, and they're giving, they're fueling the fire, and then those posts wind up with like two hundred comments, and it just becomes a whole thing. Then people are getting banned, and it's like, really? I'm like, I'm just like yeah. sitting there watching. I'm like, I can't. This is your life. Like I, like I, I'm like, like I'm <laughs> right? hoping, like, like if this is your biggest issue in life, then good for you. You have a great life. Well, and, I mean, they... this is the worst thing you're dealing with. Seriously, social media to me is is ridiculous. The whole concept of it is is fairly ridiculous. But it, it is supposed to be a community, and we're we're fans, and that it's supposed to be fun. Every day, I'm just like, oh my god. So I just I just I'll come in, make a joke, comment, I'm out, done. I'll even respond to something. I've told people, I go, I'm sorry if if you're expecting me a messenger to give you big long responses, you're not going to get it. No. Focus on the positive. I mean, the politics and all that stuff is one thing. You guys know I ignore that and everything else. But in the past, I was outspoken about my passion for for not liking them. Like someone would say something politically, and I would have to go out of my way to say, you know what? I don't care about politics. I don't care about this, this, that, the other. I'm not. That's not the what the way I would say it. But I would I would find I have to weigh in saying that I don't care about all this shit that you guys have so much passion about. Why can't you just you know leave it be? Now, if they want to talk politics all day, every day, till the day they die, and hopefully they've made a change, and, and in their life they think they've made a change, and it makes them happy, who am I to say? If you're not hurting anyone, who cares? If, if someone's behaving a certain way, if, if, if people want to have like a pissing war about who, uh, who watches the most obscure horror, and who does this, and, and you know, um, who owns what, you know what? Salute. Do what you want to do. I'm not going to speak against it. In the past, maybe I would have. I would have come on and say, "Well, you know what I mean." That's the difference now. The person I am now, um, I'm just, I'm just. It's like I said, it's scroll past. I'm just gonna scroll past, man. There's very little I'm gonna comment on. I'm gonna yeah, let people. I see those posts, and I'm just like, nope. 
even if I agree with the, what the person's saying, I'm like, I'm not get involved in this. <laughs> and it's just like that shockwave thing, same deal. Someone, I won't say it, even though I don't start shit, if somebody says something, and I, th- I think that, you know, the mod does something ridiculous, where in the past I would joke about it, or I might even put a post on our page or say something, those days are over. I'm not going to laugh about it. Uh, even though it's all in good fun, I think it's ridiculous. Well, I'm not going to care anymore. I'm not going to say, oh, well, that's just the way they do their things. If they're happy there, and if people are happy there, fine. I, I, have a, I have a good approach to this, especially with the social media thing. If I don't like someone or something that they're doing or or something like that, I simply erase it from my mind and delete it, yep. control-alt-delete, and it's gone and it's out of my life. It's not like in real life where you just, unfortunately, you can't avoid, you know, you, everything. You video-drone them out of your life? Yeah. Exactly. That I was thinking of. <laughs> you control-alt-delete them out of your life was awesome. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, do you remember everyone was complaining on that on that one group in Twenty Two Shots page about that one guy and this and that and the other thing and everybody was blowing up about him and you know the the the, the hamster and all that shit and everything else he was doing and I and I and I said it then I'll say it now although it's just if you see somebody that, that's posting annoying stuff and they're not a friend of yours and you don't care about them why not just immediately block them and then it's over then it's not a problem for anybody why would you report it to the to the admins. You know, why go through that and say, hey, this guy's doing this? And this. how about just block him and then it's over with? Or, or, or if you are friends with somebody on Facebook and you like to follow the feeds, just unfollow them if they talk about things you don't like. They can still be your friend, but you don't care what they talk about in their personal life. All you care about is what they talk about in horror groups. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want to talk about your politics. You know, and maybe people don't want to see my cat pictures. So fucking what? That, that, it's all good. You know what I mean? Let's concentrate on what, what brings us together. Not not what separates us. Absolutely. In, in, the community yeah. portion of it, the horror part, and talk. But let's, it, give, it, let's just give peace a chance. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. All right. And, and that's the end of that um, situation. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you guys ready to jump into some reviews? I am. Oh, but look. But real quick, I wanted to share that. Oh, nice. Free from hell. Well, check it out. I decided I didn't want to go see it because I, I wasn't too thrilled with 31. And it was a $15 charge. And the dummies released it like four days prior, announced that it's coming to freaking Blu-ray on October 15th. And I'm thinking, yeah. why would you dummies do that now? Because that, that's going to ensure that I'm going to sit my ass at home now. So I didn't go. And, I, and uh, now this, this came from Christine. She went oh, to Oh, nice. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. She got one for herself. And then when they came out, they had extras. And they gave them away. So she said, I thought of you. And, and I got it for you. So I ended up getting the poster anyway. So Thanks, Christine. Yeah. Yeah. Mwah. Yeah. I'm just thanking Christine for thinking of me. <laughs> You're her second favorite. Maybe maybe when Four from Hell comes out. <laughs> she said she did send you a poster to go to hell. <laughs> I'm there already. I'm on this show. <laughs> Episode ninety three. We are going to cover that trilogy. As Christine requested, so I will not be covering that trilogy until I get a poster. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna have problems here. Yeah, we're gonna have problems, buddy. It doesn't have to be a three from hell poster. It could be any poster, but I want a poster. (laughs) Right? Anybody wanted? Anybody that wants to send B a poster? Yeah, he'll give you the address. I hope. No, you told us about that show. That's actually a good show because it's been a long time since I've watched. the first two also, so. You know, but to get there, we got to get through this show first. 
Thank you. No, we have to get through this show. We got to start this show. <laughs> yes, we do. All right. Should we tell the folks what we're reviewing tonight since it's just a random hodgepodge of horror? Oh, yeah. Okay, so we have two from the Ram Man, Nightbreed and The Descent. Nice. And then we have Videodrome from Mark. And then, Triple R's, we have Pigs from Scott, a.k.a. Chris, and um, <laughs> Hell Knight from Gary. So going to be an interesting show, a fun show, movies that aren't really related, and they're, they're just talking some movies. Yeah, so, completely you know? random, and I like it. Yeah. You ready? Should we just jump right into a feature review? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's start with 1990s Nightbreed. All right. Written and directed by Clive Barker. A troubled young man is drawn to a mythical place called Midian, where a variety of friendly monsters are hiding from humanity. Meanwhile, a sadistic serial killer is looking for a patsy. So we've talked about this on the show. Have we? In the past. Like, no, like, just bringing it up in conversation Uh when we did the Clive Barker show, maybe here and there. Oh, yeah. When I was younger, I absolutely adored this movie. I loved it because I was a Clive Barker fanatic. Uh, I had watched it over and over and over again, and then I hadn't seen it in ages. Just because, you know... I wouldn't say if I had to fall into the horror like Dave did, but I, I definitely watched a little less horror uh, in the early 2000s, and I, it started ramping up again. Seeing the, When the director's cut got released, I watched it once, and I was like a little, I, admittedly underwhelmed. I know that's not a word, but what are you going to say? And seeing it again for this show, I have, to, I have to say that my preference to this movie sort of sits in the middle. I think underwhelmed is a word. I think so, too. I was underwhelmed, if that's a word. No, it's not, because I looked it up. It's a song, a Canadian song, I think, by Sloan. Well, these fucking Canadians are wrong. <laughs> They're underwhelmed. Past tense, underwhelmed. Fail to impress or make a positive impact on someone. Disappoint. American voters seem underwhelmed by the choices for president. <laughs> oh, no, Dave's talking politics. That's what it says literally on the thing I read. It's the example they gave. It's funny that you, you said that you talked about, uh, you know, where your stance on this film, uh, how it evolved. But uh, I never saw this for some reason when it came out. It's just, I guess, a movie I just missed. So I didn't see this so much later on. And I feel like I'm in the middle for one reason. This feels like two incomplete movies to me. There's there's art here. And that's where I think my, my heart still goes. Like, Clive Barker is an artist. And you know he was trying to create something different. He wasn't just giving us uh, another slasher film. Even though this movie has slasher elements to it with, with Decker and, and Cronenberg character. Yeah. But I'm talking about the actual overall film. It's I didn't I don't know if I actually finished my thought because I got in an underwhelmed dis, uh, discussion there. But with the theatrical release and the director's cut, I feel like some of the insertions from the director's cut work. But I can understand why maybe the the heads of the studio decided to cut shit for the theatrical release because there was some stuff at the beginning for sure with Boone extra scenes that were just not necessary. I don't think really uh, molded their characters any differently than what the theatrical had to present. And I guess for the record, I did watch the director's cut for this because I don't even know if you can find the theatrical anymore. Yeah, I've never seen the theatrical cut. I've only seen the director's cut. And one of the big issues with Boone for me with this and uh you know i love a lot of things about this movie but one of the issues with boone is why is he obsessed with midian and talking about you know erasing the sins of his past what are his sins we never learn about his sins is it i, I guess the novel cabal i got it. I, and again i haven't read cabal for a long time and i love it 
But I love it. You know, I, I read a novel once, maybe twice. Yeah. That's it. If I if, if I get to it, that, I should even preface that. And that was my favorite Cronenberg. Oh, sorry, my favorite. <laughs> my favorite. Bar- yeah, my favorite Barker. Uh, but it, I don't. Yeah, it definitely touches upon it more, but I can't go into specifics. I really can't. I would be talking on my that, ass. That throws you off because you're immediately like, you know, are these people admitting? Are they good? Are they bad? Like, what's the deal? Because Boone, you know, Boone's not a bad guy. You know, Pelequin even tells them, you know, you're you're, you're natural. Well, I think right? they I think they alluded to that in the in the script too. They're kind of misunderstood, forgotten, buried, if you will, and and that's I think we're not we're not told directly. Well, at least in the film version, we're not told directly, so we can make our own assumptions. He should have some sins, though, especially since I mean, I guess we're talking spoilers, right? Yeah. I, I'm good with that. Okay, this will be spoilered, everybody. All right, yeah, just yeah, just because just because you know it turns out that he's <laughs> you know the chosen one in this whole prophecy. Sorry, yeah, I mean, so there had to be a, at least a sin there because those are his sins. What you are know his... what I'm saying? His sins are that he brought about the destruction of Midian because he was already it was already foretold. So oh. it's, it's like in his psyche. Ooh. Boom, you know. Yeah, then that could exp- yeah. All right, yeah, I like that. Now, is it in the book that way? I don't. I read Cabal back in the nineties. That's it. Like I, I cannot. I, I be like I, I already jokingly said I'd be talking out my ass to, yeah. to, to directly compare it. I, I don't know. Why well, stop now? Yeah. <laughs> it could it be convenience for the movie. It could be convenience because we're we we're not aware of that the first time viewer that he is not the killer. So it's just movie convenience. That's true. It could just That's be a true. Thing, or it could be what I said. Those are his sins because they were pretty pissed at him. You saw how Lylesburg was at the end. You know what I mean? He was like, well, you know, you've done this. You brought this upon us and, you know, everything else. So it was part of the process of Midian or, you know, the Nightbreed going elsewhere. But they don't know that. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, Baphomet, it was, Baphomet was cool. Baphomet's like, hey, buy me a new place. Well, you know? This is, hey, this is kind of interesting. Me two, buy me a two-bedroom in the village. Because we're talking about the director's cut, but yet that was the biggest – Biggest criticism, I think, of the theatricals, like, oh, well, they trimmed it down and they they messed with his art, and 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 there's probably so much more untold in the director's cut, but really, there isn't. There's characters and and the, and their arcs, some characters and their arcs, almost completely taken out of the theatrical version that had been reinstated in the in the director's cut, and I I'll, I'll get into that a bit later. But from a story structure of what Brandon's talking about, none of that I don't think is is added. Yeah, see, see, I think with the director's cut, and I don't know know the theatrical cut, but with the director's cut, so many of the Nightbreed are introduced or shown, and there's just not enough time for them to, to develop storylines. You know, uh, like Onaka and uh, even Pelequin, and what's the, uh, what is she, like the porcupine lady, Shunasasi. Yeah. Shunasasi, like she, he dreams about her in the opening scene, and I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. and you really, you really don't learn anything about certain some of these characters well the the mystery is intriguing but you're right i think that we needed maybe a little bit a little bit like more it, yeah this, this felt like it should have been like almost like a like a six-hour miniseries like a like a stand yep. or something right this should have been a series i was that was one of the one of the notes i have this is something that could benefit from being a tv series just think about everything this whole movie could have been stretched over a much longer time yeah. palette well there where, is a graphic like novel i said 
he, there was a, a whole comic book series of this as well that I don't yeah. think just retold the story of Cabal. I think it, it expanded upon it. Uh, listeners out there, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm going back to my my teens and I don't I don't own any of the the Hellraiser or Nightbreed comics anymore. I imagine you're right. Mm-hmm. I imagine you're right because I don't think they would have just. I don't think Clive Barker would have just ended it where he did. But you know, for people who you know are strictly using the medium of film, you know. I would have loved to see more on film. Yeah, I, I agree. And the insertions at the beginning were, were weird for me because, you know, when you've watched a movie, and again, I, I told you it had been a while, but it had been so, so ingrained in your psyche because you've watched it numerous times back in the day. So then you're like, well, this, I don't remember this. I don't remember this. And then you're like, okay, th- uh, now I could see right. the insert, like insert shots because it was a completed film that they ended up cutting down, I think, at the end. So it's not like it's like My Bloody Valentine unrated insertions. Yeah. It's completed film. Uh, yeah. And where I'm going with it, though, is like some of the int- the shots at the beginning, I don't think added anything for me. And that that's the whole sequence of her singing because Boone's right. already stumbling around and they have this whole scene of her singing in the bar. It's It doesn't add really anything to her other than to know she's a singer. I don't think it adds anything to their character. He stumbles in. They sort of make eye contact. He gets out. And then that whole scene was taken out of the theatrical. And I don't think it was necessary yep. per se. And then there's the whole scene of him envisioning them making love I don't know, making love. When when did I become like so PG? When they got mud around, uh, but and then it's that that vision and it, and it's very odd. And he's there and he's like going, "Whoa, what's going on here?" Yeah. In the room, that was all taken up for the theatrical. I don't think that added anything really to the story either. So I, that's where I'm saying I could see where the producers maybe just said, "No, nope, we're going to trim this down. We're going to trim this down. It's not necessary." Um, I still feel for you know Clive Barker, the artist there, because this was filmed. And, and and he wanted it in his movie. And so that from that part, but I, I kind of agree that it really doesn't add anything. Well, it certainly worked out for him at this point with yes. you know people obsessed with having all three cuts of the film. Well, there you yeah. have it. There you that's the third cut, the cabal cut, which is twenty four minutes, which I do have. And you know, the thing is, I agree a hundred percent with what Christian said. A lot of that stuff that's cut. I could see why it's cut. Yeah. Uh, the, the ending is different, which oh. I always loved the original ending. And, I did too. Oh, yeah. This dude, one this one is a little too fit. Like, don't get me wrong, this is kind of his um labyrinth or, or or his vision of like it's a fantasy horror film through and through and i love it for that and he's trying like i said he's trying to do something more he's given us monsters uh which is another theme i'm going to bring up later when we talk about the descent there's i want more monster movies and these are unique monsters and he did it in yeah. his vision now oh, he's like jesus christ all of a sudden he did it in his vision he but, did it in his vision <laughs> well, you know who jesus is brandon <laughs> But no, I, his, I, mind, his mind is his mind is warped with this, with these creations. There, I mean, well, they're they, insane. But they cut down a lot of those. So you're right. They showed a lot of people that I think again, and I'm, I'm blaming it on the quote unquote producers, the evil ones that ch- cut them out. But like, I don't think you saw guy with the finger, the hand coming out of his chin. Uh, you didn't see that Belial lookalike guy, that little mess on the ground. Uh, I think they were ah! all they were all blah, they were all cut out of the film uh, for the theatrical, probably because. Probably because they thought they looked too silly looking. And I, I kind of agree. That, that's not a Clive Barker thing. He probably came up with the, the drawings and whatever. And then K&B or whoever did the effects created them. But there were some some weird ones there for sure. Yeah, of course they're weird. But that's that's the idea. Yeah, so, I know. I know. 
But if they were going to cut down on them, they needed to have, I don't know if they needed to, they needed to shoot more scenes to develop the ones that they did have. And there just wasn't enough development with some of the characters. It just leaves you, you a little. You can't develop. I mean, that's like saying you're going to develop, you're going to watch Star Wars, The New Hope, and, and, and develop everybody in the cantina room. There's just, it's for show. It's for, you know what I mean? We got, we got I, an action I, I figure of them, though. Huh? <laughs> we, we sure got a lot of action figures of them, though. Yeah, but listen. Well, that's but listen, what we should the, have for this movie. Action yeah. figures of all of them. The opening dream features, you know, the, the three three of the night breed that you really never get to know at all. You know, with Pelequin, um, Shuna Sasi, and what's what's the guy with, like, the moon face? Is yeah, that I used to know these names. Now you just have to say the moon face. Everybody knows who you're talking about. But yeah, yeah. But the, the, those three are in the opening thing. And then they really just become extremely secondary, even though Pelequin's, you know, the one who fulfills the prophecy by biting uh, Boone. But, you know, in terms of the ending, I never saw the original ending, the theatrical cut mm -hmm. ending. But even just reading about it, because, you know, I did my research on it just to, you know, make sure I knew the difference. I like it better than this one, only because Ashbury is is very rushed, and it it would have been, it, it just feels more more oh my god to to bring back your main villain at the end because Decker, I mean Cronenberg's a fucking badass. Boy, is yeah. Oh man, I, I, I love how he underplays the role. And I was I was talking to a guy online, and he said he thinks he totally underplayed him. I'm like, well, he's not an actor. Remember, he's not an actor. I think he did a phenomenal job with his character, and. Again, my my young mind back when I was 15, uh, 16, was that I thought he, the people that he was slaughtering were Nightbreed taking form of humans. That's what I thought back in the day. That's what I thought because he, he says later in, in, in a little spiel that he explained himself, not realizing that he's just a psychopath, but that he explained himself saying, I'm trying to rid the world of these creatures. So that's where <laughs> I thought he was actually trying to rid the world of these creatures. And these You're... families were, they were trying to hide out in, in civilization as regular people. And All he's right, actually hunting them down. Paul, whose mind is more warped, Clyde Barker's or Christian's? <laughs> well, no, but that's how I thought all the way through it. I'm, I, I, and I'm going to be honest. It that's probably pretty cool, though. That's I, actually a pretty cool idea. I probably thought that from when I first saw it till maybe around twenty, and then oh. I'm like, oh no, he's really just a psychopath. <laughs> he had a but, paper plate in his head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> waka waka waka. I love that kill. Though. I don't know why. It's really cool the way the the fruit rolls the blood out on the yes. floor. I don't know why I like that. Oh, it's 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 stylistic. It's, it's great. very stylistic. Yeah, man. And even the intro is stylistic with the title card, and you see all the freaking. It is oh. this big big feel to it with the with the Elfman soundtrack and everything else, and Beautiful. night breeds slowly yeah. coming. Right, isn't it? I've always loved that. And man. they're dancing it's around like I mean, this is not a traditional horror film. In 1990, maybe he was ahead of his time. Like, has any other movie other than maybe Blade Runner got so many cuts? Maybe Apocalypse Now. I mean, I understand there's the Cabal cuts, not like a an official release. I don't think it was anyway. Correct if I'm wrong. I think that was a bootleg. Correct? No, they did a yeah, they did a limited official release recently in the last couple of years. Of the Cabal only on cut. DVD though. Yeah, and okay. it was like yep. super expensive, something like 80 bucks, I think. Oh wow. Okay. I got it. So I had the laser of this. Uh, uh, the the theatrical, of course, because that's all they had at the time. I signed it and sold it. But I thought when they were talking you about a director's get... cut, I thought it was going to be gorier. And although there are more monsters and there's some more blood and whatever like that, it's actually not gorier. A lot of it, it, it they took out that that sergeant character, that the the cigar chomping guy. He has a whole 
sub-story and he's, he's covered in blood at the end, that's not in the theatrical. He's trimmed right down. He's a hard ass. He goes in. But the wage of war on um, uh, Midian is trimmed right down in the theatrical. Yeah, yeah, see, and that's and that's one thing I probably wouldn't like about the theatrical because I really love the all-out war at the end. It was it was really violent and brutal, and when they released the Berserkers, ah, loved it. Well, I mean, that's there, but they it, it's really trimmed. So yeah. this one gives a, no, I, a more I, rounded I thing. The way it played out now, yeah. it was perfect. It was it was it was epic. Well, they give a little bit more of the priest, I think, in the director's cut, so you get a little bit more of him. Uh, that more was in the in the cut we watched. You're saying, yeah. There's more of the priest. Wow. Well, it makes sense that it would be more yeah. given the fact that, you know, he's our our main villain at the end now. But uh, it still doesn't feel like enough because he's just, you know, a drunk priest in, in the tank for the night. And, you know, and maybe and maybe Burker he... wanted to build on this, but it was uh, it was a it was a bomb. It was uh, or a disappointment at the very least when it came out. Uh, maybe after that's why after Lord of Illusions, he kind of gave up on the whole directing thing. Yeah. Which is I'm a shame. Mixed, I'm very mixed with this because there's so many good nope. things here. There's a lot to really love in this movie. There is yeah. a lot to love. It's a mess. It's a mess. And I, I, I you know, I, I would be shocked if Parker himself didn't say it's messy. But there's so much good in here as well. Yeah. Or great yeah. even. <laughs> Absolutely. This movie for me, this is the comfort movie. I've seen this so many damn times. And... I remember the, I, I had this big old poster in my room. It, it was back in 1990, of course, and it, it, or 91 maybe, when it came to uh, video. And um, they had it at the Blockbuster, and they had a big giant poster of it, movie size, you know. And I remember asking them about it. Hey, uh, what, what happens with this poster when it's done? They go, we're going to throw it out. I said, can I have it? And they said, yeah. And then they called me, and I, and I picked it up. I had it hanging in my room for years. And I was always into Clyde Barker and everything else. And But I've seen this movie so many times that – and there's so many good lines to it. And it's like Christian said, I can tell the added scenes just because I've seen the original so much. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. that, that wasn't there before, that wasn't there before. But I really have seen this a lot. But I, 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 I do love the movie, but I don't love it to the fact that I can't, as the more times I've seen it, and now that I'm getting older and watching it, I, I do see its flaws in storytelling a little bit. And the funny thing, thing is that this is 100% Clive Barker's preferred cut. I mean, yes, it's the director's cut that's common sense, but I yep. mean, there is more in, in the Cabal cut. You know what I mean? That wasn't put here, and you know, and, and there's differences in this one. You know, I'm with uh, I, I don't. Joyce, that's, that's so strange. With uh, with who? With Joyce, Detective Joyce. Like oh, it's yeah. the opposite. In, in the original version, um, Joyce lives, and what's his name? Narcissus dies. You know what I mean? It, it's different. No, but, Narcissus well, died in the director's cut. Maybe I'm getting uh. Joyce, oh, yeah. di Joyce died in the director's cut, and Narcissus died in the director's cut. They both died. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, well, uh, uh, Joyce lives in, in yeah. the other one, and Joyce and actually so does Narcissus. So does Narcissus live in the other one? Okay. Well, Joyce has more in the Cabal too. There's more to him. You know? Now, I, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I haven't seen the Cabal cut. I haven't seen it either. I'm, yeah. I prefer the elements from the theatrical cut that include Narcissus living. Just because of the whole idea of uh, Boone saying, you know, goodbye to him at the barn before they meet again, to before they meet again, where he finds them a new place, you know, to fulfill his uh, his duty to Baphomet, and also because of of Decker, you know, the rise of Decker. But, you know, because Narcissus is such a great character, has so many funny lines in this, and just is oh, yeah. really comical, and then it's just 
for him to have a showdown with Decker is, is fine. And it's okay for him to die, but for them to not show it, to not show some sort of, you know, battle or get at least something, and then just, you know, his head show up later on, it's just sort of kind of like, I felt like it was just, that I'm was... not saying disrespectful, but just really quick to get rid of such a, you know, yeah, likable, pivotal character. It wasn't, uh, Dave, I don't believe that was in the theatrical. I don't remember his head on a pike or on the, on the knife. No, he, he left, yeah. he left yeah. he's in the bar yeah. at the end. Yeah, sorry, I, I wasn't sure if you guys were confusing it or not. Sorry, and, and, and then I realized it was just me. But the, I confused myself with okay. the third cut. All right, yeah, no, no worries, <laughs> because, yeah, when, he, when his, I will tell you that I said I saw the, the director's cut before, but when they, I maybe I didn't watch it all the way through because when he came out with his head on, on that thing, I'm like, what? So there was a shock element there, but you're right. There, there should have been something more there, even in this cut. Now, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to see Cabal if they had anything more. I don't know. How come he gave him a hallucinogenic? What, what point, what is he trying to do when he said, take these pills? Why give, what is, what does Decker have to gain by giving Boone a hallucinogenic? I, you know what? I, I thought about that too, but I think yeah. maybe he just, maybe he thought under hallucinogen he would do something violent or unpredictable and end up, you know, end why up in a bad situation, which he ultimately him? did. I mean, he didn't do anything bad, but he wound up, you know, getting picked up. And, right. and he wound and up in the he, hospital. But what does this end goal of framing him have to do with anything? Like, it, to let, it's not going to lead him to Midian, or does he think that's what it is? He'll run oh, because yeah. he's on the run. Uh, he'll go, and that will lead them to it. Is that Was that the thought process? Absolutely. How is he yeah. going to know where Midian is? Because he's the only one that knows where it is, is Boone. You know what I mean? So he, he has to get there. So that's the way he's, it's got to be so by that, following That's him. him. That's so that's I him got. getting him out of it then. So I guess the, the that, that explains the hallucinogen is like what Brandon said is maybe that will just help escalate and, and get it to the next level. So obviously he didn't know that Boone would be immortal or, or what was his thought process? Because he knows these monsters have these powers. So why say he's got a gun? Which I've always loved. <laughs> and I they love instantly start blowing him away. Like they don't have any regard for this doctor. And... Not since like Donald Pleasance. And then the yeah. coroner pulls out yeah. like two or three. <laughs> not since Donald Pleasance have the police put so much faith into a doctor. <laughs> like, right. they're, they're on, it, listen, on his every word. They're like, oh, okay. And why why gun him down just because he has a gun? Uh, I mean, he didn't pull it on yeah. the guy. He got out of the way. I mean, why not just, give, why not just shoot him once? Why execution? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Cops. It's the cops. <laughs> I know, right? Those Canadian cops, man. It was a, it was a, he was a victim. Although they said this was supposed to mirror. There's some thematic elements of um, maybe Jesus? Barker, no Barker and his homosexuality coming out, and and what uh, the monsters of Midian represent versus like the uh, the evil and the and the, the kind of almost like Nazi esque and, and and very uh, conservative style police force and. And everything else yeah. on the other other side. So, and that does yes. shine through for sure. Oh, especially oh, yeah. with with uh, Eigerman. I mean, yeah. he's he's a, oh. he's a straight up like he's a straight up like Hitler clone. Well, that, totally, man. That's <laughs> it. And I think they toned it down for the theat. Well, they did. I think they did tone it down for the theatrical cut. So, it just they cut down his most over the top moments. But yeah. I think those are necessary for for his character and, and for that for that final sort of Armageddon moment in in. Uh, in the battle. Yeah. And don't forget, we're also talking about, because they reference that, you know, six families have been killed in a 10 month period. And we're talking, you know, mothers, fathers, and children. So we're talking, yeah. you know, at this point, Decker's convinced the police that 
that it's Boone who's been doing the killings. So, you know, I, I could True. I guess I could see them unloading. I mean, this, you know, this is this is not a person you're you're probably going to take alive if he has a gun and he's drawing a drawing a gun on the police after yeah, killing that true. many people. So yeah, and, and they do make mention of that. And then when um when uh what's her name when Lori's in the bar and and he's oh they killed that baby killer and she's yeah like, baby yeah killer. that's fucked up to hear that you know because that that's her man and then they're talking about him like that. So you I know what you know what's crazy, yeah. Dave. You know what's crazy? I just thought about this because you were telling the cat story how he was all uh, about Lucky and how he was all like weak and, and, and bony and stuff. And now you're nursing him back to health and he looks great. That reminds me of the scene with uh, Babette. Babette, I knew it. I even wrote that in my notes. That's right? what it reminded me of when I saw it. <laughs> That's what, I'm just thinking about that. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, first of all, why the hell is Babette outside? Doesn't shouldn't she, uh, Rachel do a better job of keeping an eye on her? Right. <laughs> hey, stay inside. Dude, I can't believe I almost called my wife and it said this reminds me. Uh, but she would look at the thing and say, "Oh, gross!" And <laughs> so I didn't show her that thing. <laughs> but I thought it about Lucky too. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I just oh. thought about that. I was thinking about that. I was like, "Oh shit!" Damn. Oh, Baphomet, Bama Lamb. Oh, <laughs> another another rushed element or or seemingly bizarre element and again within a fantasy realm i guess anything can work was the introduction of the waitress and there's an extended scene in this cut uh-huh. so there was a whole the whole conversation sequence i believe is cut out of the theatrical or at least it's really cut down in the theatrical not not maybe totally gone so there's even less of it for her to become such a i don't want to say main character but main component of the end uh, where the waitress goes to help this woman out get her there and then meets decker how did decker have time to to work his way in and meet her. I guess he was at the bar and we see him and then, and then they have drinks that night. She has got the hangover. So I guess that's where they explain it all away, but it seems almost too convenient. My question is why? Yeah. Well played the yeah. whole Curtis thing. That's my notes. Well played Curtis comma, but why? What's, yeah. what was the reason for that? For him to, you know, he he didn't need her. Just because How they're helping? How she know that she's going to take him to Midian? This is what I'm telling you. I honestly think, and maybe listeners out there, are these people landwalkers or something like that? Like, are these, like, maybe monsters that are hiding in, in people's skins, if you will? Suits. Like Jason Voorhees. Man knows how to dress. And Jason goes <laughs> to hell. Uh, the, <laughs> are, are these really people that are trying to live in the real world that Deckard's hunting down because what is like, how does he know this is all going to happen? They could have they, easily they that were, way and made it make sense that way. Well, but did, he was in the bar following her tracking her. They saw that these two were talking. He thinks that she knows where Midian is like there. You're right, Dave. There's too much of a, a leap of faith there for it to continue. I mean, I accept it. It just, I feel like there should be more. That wouldn't have been a bad subplot. Well, she is maybe. a lull, and they're in the area where Midian is. They're in the they're in the area where where it's at. So her befriending a local, you know, she sees her talking to her. She probably figures she's asking about the location because she's clearly looking for Boone. So, I, you know, I'm not I'm, I get it. I, I I didn't realize it until you just pointed it out. But I'm on board with it. Well, what but about the, what made, about the gas guy? What about the uh, I, I call him the gas guy? The guy that's like they wouldn't take me. And then he's like, say it! Yeah. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> or not. Or Nothing. Yeah, that, that scene, that scene, uh, yeah, I don't know about that scene. Like, well, he, you I know love that scene. What do you mean? No, I love it too, but he's a psychopath. But why would he say, like, they're, I wanted them to, I wanted them to take me. What do you have to, what do you have against them? And all that, like, 
Like, why would they accept him? Was he was he uh, part beast? That's why I'm saying, is it in you? No, he's just a it guy is. that wants to live forever and live live underground. What's wrong with that? I'd go too. If I didn't have a family, I mean, you know. Yeah, but it's weird that they live forever because they're just described as you know an ancient tribe of of shapeshifters. So they're not described as immortal, even though they become immortal. They're not really immortal because they can die, just like they said. Some, yeah. some, some. So, they even say it. You know what I mean? Everybody die. There's different ways to get killed, and because so I think um, one of them says, "I wish that were true. That that you know we were immortal." So, yeah. Yeah. I and think, the one and the one guy dies in the sun, which is a heartbreaking scene. Oh, and he blows up. Yeah. That yeah. yeah. Like fucking uh, what's his name? Joy should have helped him. He yeah. he was intercut in this version a lot more so. He don't get yeah. me wrong, he had presence in the theatrical version, but there was definitely more sequences with him in this one. What happened to the dog? Who took the dog? How did he get that dog? Uh, I guess that maybe the dog was running. He, he was delivering tires. He was delivering tires to a house, and it was Boston a malnourished Terriers. dog on the. <laughs> my favorite breed of dog, Boston Terriers. No, I had that. My brother has those. Yeah, great. Oh, when they rip out his nipple rings. Oh. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Yeah, yeah. Dude. No, there's... You know what would have been cool? You know, you're talking about it making the shapeshifters live amongst the humans. That would have been cool if that was sort of like the uh, like a reveal right at the uh, right before the battle began. Because, you know, you got this whole huge mob coming. If some of like the mob revealed themselves to be uh, Nightbreed. Yeah, it's all in the Cabal cut. Yeah. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> Imagine you. if it did. Yeah. That was the difference. That that Christian's theory was correct. They're all night breed. <laughs> no, I mean, it, I mean, you know, if they can look like regular humans, if they can shapeshift, why wouldn't why wouldn't they try to live amongst the humans? Yeah, they just said like, they, they didn't want to be. They, well, they didn't want to be underground. Maybe there's there's people all the time. They don't think they've got the best of the the best or whatever like that. They want something different. They don't want to live in that underground labyrinth of. Uh, that which was super cool, uh, visually speaking, was awesome. But I mean, I'm just saying, maybe they they just said no. We're gonna take our chances in the real world. Yeah, I just that flashback, yeah. that flashback, that view of the history that she oh, gives to Lori is, is again another thing that's you know it's very quick, but it's very effective. That's like the Inquisition, man. Yeah, yeah, right, dude. Yeah, that's bad shit going on there with those freaking black clansmen and shit. Yeah. Oof. Man. Well, not black clans, man. You know what I mean. <laughs> black <laughs> Those guys hooded, that are dressed, black hooded yeah. hands, clans. They look like clans, yeah, right. They did, yeah. <laughs> Those guys. Woo. Yeah, that that that's a good scene. I like that. And that's better. Every version shows more of that scene with the decapitations and everything else. And yeah, it's that's yeah. There, there's more well, to that scene. I, I can't I can't speak on the third version, but you you know what I mean. Yeah, I've no right. Yeah. yeah. But they do even more in the cabal. So in the Lori cut, it's just her singing at the uh, bar for two hours. <laughs> I wish I knew the lyrics. And <laughs> and again, I, th- I think the part of my uh, intrigue and al- always having a soft spot for this film, too, is, again, it was rated R in Canada, and I snuck in. So nice. nothing, nothing beats that feeling of being able to see the movie that you really want to see and you're being told you couldn't see it by the censor board and and actually getting to see it so visually speaking there's a lot going on here it's it it can be a little bit confusing the makeup effects are are a mixed batch like some of the some of the monster effects are are really good and, and some of them are not if i had to be totally honest but i mean there's a well, lot of them when, here. When they're panning <laughs> the through them, great. when they're panning through them, especially you know, uh, 
when Lori's kind of doing the uh, the tour. The descent, yeah. <laughs> just kind of looking in everywhere into the, each room. So, some of them seem like they might have been a little rushed, but they still look creepy as hell. Yep. I thought I think for the most part. Didn't one guy have like a, a, a head in it where his crotch was? Yeah, he did. He, he had a long <laughs> thing like that that went down that connected his head to that area. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a... A cr- it wasn't there. You could have a crotch head. Long crotch neck head. first, not a crotch I'm a, head. I'm a dickhead. He never had to leave mi- Midian. Midian. <laughs> there goes the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> I love this movie. There's so many lines in this movie that that are I don't know. Meet for the Beast. Think- we know we've we've oh. quoted that on the on the show numerous times. Dude, Peliquin period is fucking gold. I want a whole movie. Just of him. That, that, that could be a spinoff. Because he, um, what a great character he is. Yeah, yeah. And, you, you get him, and you get him in the first 10 minutes of the movie. And then you don't see him until like, until like an hour and 40 minutes in. It's crazy. True, but you're always happy to see him. At least that's how I feel. Yeah. Well, I it is, like it, this is yeah. about Boone's journey. And then it, it's right. funny because the movie is called Nightbreed, so I guess it throws people off at the beginning. But maybe if it was called Cabal and, and we're following this journey, the Nightbreed just happened to be the population of of this area and whatnot. And they, sh- they should have just called it Boone's journey and had don't stop believing flying. <laughs> <laughs> well, the night breed, man, that's a pretty, come on. Those things are great. Yeah, I mean, night breed, oh, that's such a cool name. No, it's a great, I'm not, I'm not shitting on it. I just great. I'm just trying to tell Brandon, this is, this is about Boone. Uh, and, and maybe if they focus too much on the creatures, we, our argument may have been they're focusing too much on the creatures now. <laughs> Can never win, right? But this was about his journey. Nah, yeah, no, nah, yeah. It's a it's a good complaint for this movie. It's it said it it needed to be done in a different way. It needed it needed to be a miniseries or a TV show, like Dave said. But uh, oh man, wouldn't it be great? But but visually, it's a very satisfying film. And from a story standpoint, like you said, Christian, there is enough there to to get you through it and make you and let you enjoy it. But there's also there's just more. Like I wish they'd done this and this and this than than satisfaction in the end, unfortunately. For me, anyway. And wasn't there a rumor that this was going to be a show? I thought about a year or two ago uh, we had posted yeah, something. So. Yeah, there, yeah, there were some rumblings. <laughs> well, Mr. Barker, if you're listening, if we do say so ourselves, try to get this into a miniseries. I think it was going to be called Black right. Klansman and Decker. Yeah. <laughs> How Black about and Decker? Decker for sure. Black and Decker. Nice. <laughs> Black and Decker. Amazing. Oh, uh, so How about that though? Decker's mask and knife are amazing. Oh, I love it. I used to call oh. him like Zipper Face for whatever reason. I don't know why. I just loved calling him Zipper. And that mask is is awesome. Zipper Face. Isn't it? And then knife. When do you see a knife like that? It's freaking yeah. great, dude. Who, who carries that around? They do have action figures of him. Oh yeah, just him. But I want one of Peliquin and, and, and the, you know the, the porcupine girl and the black guy with the horns and. Every one of them. Yeah, the breed. I can't believe. Huh? The breed. The breed. I want the, the freaking breed. breed. How does nobody not have this out? Really? How come you can get every freaking thing at all these conventions and this and that? And, and they got, um, what, what's that ridiculous thing? The fog is a freaking thing. It's cotton and some other stupid shit that people can buy. <laughs> right? Yeah, my how pet. About the, how about the Invisible Man where it's just like an empty bag? <laughs> We should sell that. I think awesome. somebody presented. posted that once. It's like a joke. It's just like an empty container. And People that would is probably awesome. buy it. Just if it said if it had the Invisible Man logo on it. We haven't oh, opened the package. 
Nice. We can put a little gauze pad in there. A little Not piece even. Of his mantle. You just put. You just put. You just glue a, a set of glasses to the back. I'd collect, I'd collect the whole line of toys. I'd collect the whole line of toys for these. I'd collect a. I would right. like a big Baphomet statue. Oh, well, we could have. We could have one set of glasses up like, as if he's wearing them, and then a broken set on the bottom, and then with a little thing saying, "You just broke my glasses." It could be a whole tie-in. <laughs> My class. Yeah. Oh. There should be one of him. There should be an action figure of that situation between the guy and the reporter. And you can press, you know, you can press the button. You just body slam. <laughs> that would be great. See, Exploding Heads needs to be a, a, a first-tier show so we could put shit like this out. Man. Marketing. We're marketing you. geniuses. I got to reread Cabal, and I want to now see if I could track down the comics because I want to see if they expand on the story or if it's just a retelling with, but even a retelling, they, they might get into it more within the, the comic realm as well. Yeah. I think yeah. They, why would they not? That's usually what those things do for sure. Okay. One question here. How did the priest kill the freaking police chief? It happened so quick. I don't get it. Didn't he, he, he picked them up by the throat. It's nothing that should have killed him is what I'm saying. It, it was something so quick. And I'm like, the guy's dead basically. He was like a big bad, and freaking all of a sudden he's like, just, I don't know. He like It looked like he like crushed his like windpipe or something. You think so? Because I feel, then he spit out, spit out blood and then just like, that's it. I don't know. I just remember, I just, it was just, it was just underwhelming. It was underwhelming. I don't know. I, I, I thought maybe I missed something. See, that's, that's the story. That's the word today. It's not a word in Canada. Nope. Canada has their own language, their own iTunes, everything. Maybe it became a word because of that famous song. Yeah. Some things do Christine become a word. Christine didn't send me a poster. <laughs> <laughs> Christine alone, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know how some things become words? Like that word didn't exist. Um, closure didn't exist, and people started using it, and then it got put into the dictionary. And then um, what was that other word? There's a word that George Bush <laughs> – yeah, that too. George Bush used the word once, and people think it's a word. Um, irregardless. There's no such word as irregardless. But he said it once when he was president, and people started saying it. Irregardless. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> I don't know how I got on that. Well, so what, yeah. what's the verdict? God is an astronaut. Oz is over the rainbow. <laughs> yeah, the whole nine. And Nightbreed. Or Nightbreed. <laughs> and Meridian. Uh, and Midian. Meridian. Midian is where the monsters live. Meridian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, one more thing. That scene is straight out of a slasher movie, and it's done so well in this one with that kid Arnie. Ar Where's Arnie? And then you see his head on top of the thing, yeah. and then the girl's picking up. And why was she picking that freaking thing up piece by piece? <laughs> that freaking nasty donut, whatever the hell it was. Oh, Nobody yeah, that was. Pick it up. Yeah. Went. Dude, that. That pastry looked delicious. I would have done the same she thing she did. I would have eaten it off the floor. That thing looked so good. I don't know what it was, but it was delicious. It looked it like it had look. cream and jelly on it. I was just like, oh, that's fucking delicious. It Pick it up off the floor, you piglet. She did. You little, she, you little piglet. She, <laughs> Eat it. she did lick her fingers, too, so she even liked it. So that's... Where's Arnie? Yeah. And what about the quills? Why would that guy follow her? How are you going to make love to that freaking thing? They were making love. <laughs> that's the word, man. You couldn't lay it on its back. It's got the quills. You know, you had to be, wouldn't you be afraid to mess around with it? I mean, she was pretty, but. She was. She's got a hairy chest and she's still very attractive. <laughs> yeah, isn't that weird how that works sometimes? She's the complete opposite of Brandon. 
<laughs> We'd be a perfect couple. He is the hairless wonder of the 21st century. Yeah. He would be down there, too. He doesn't have yeah, any hair in his body. Oh, I'm definitely nightly. Yeah. I'm definitely yeah, you can hang out with the guy with the dog. You love that kind of dog. Oh, I would take oh, the nice. dog once he blew up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the dog did run away, poor thing. Poor dog. Oh, that was sad. And how about the berserkers? Don't you think that that's what Rawhead Rex should have looked like? Or, or what it's supposed to look like? Yeah, it's so funny that when those guys come out, I think of those monsters at the end of um, In the Mouth of Madness as well that start coming and chasing them down the portal back to reality yeah. Oh, yeah. or whatever. Uh, yeah, they're great. The question is, you know, these, these creatures are so unpredictable and so dangerous. What happened after the battle? Where'd they go? They had to get a new home, so they're hiding out in the meantime. No, but where are the berserkers? Oh, they're at the bar. They're all chilling out and having a beer. Because the berserkers aren't in the barn. It's not like they rounded the back up. Yeah. So they're going to be looking for a new home. They don't have to wait very long. They can live in the world once these berserkers end up killing everyone in town. Wow. There's so that. much that could be built upon on this, and that's why it, it yeah. would be great. I don't know. I mean, the only way they could follow this up now is through miniseries. Like, what we're seeing with, like, Creep Show or what's old is new again. And I think if there's enough interest, that's where we, we will get a follow-up and maybe an expanded universe. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Man, that'd be so cool. Well, Oof, anyway. And again, I was really high on this back in the day. I, I possibly would have probably given it uh, a 9.5-10. But I, I I still, like I said, it there's messy, messy moments... But I adore it. I'm giving it an 8 out of 10. Yes, I am actually with you. I'm in an 8 out of 10, too. And I probably at one point, every, I echo everything you say. And I'm with you there. Yep, 8 out of 10. Yeah, I had to be careful with this one because my thoughts about what it could have been makes me want to give it a super high score. But for what it was and what we got ultimately in the end, a solid 7.5 out of 10. Nice, nice. Oh, one more question. How could they have been driving around town in that car? <laughs> Nobody could see. You know what I'm talking about? The freaking the Nightbreed car. Yeah. Oh, when they go, when they go to pick up Boone. <laughs> yeah, I never thought about that before. <laughs> they pull up in this dirty thing. Nobody can see anything, and, and yeah, they're just rolling through town like it's casual. Nobody cares. What the? Fuck? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, again, like I said, even though I only rated an eight out of ten, I can still say that I love it, and it's still a comfort movie for me. It's just one of those. But I, I wanted to come objectively. You know what I mean? And, same here. Same here. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I do think it was like a ten back in the day. Like I did again, right. and again, I'm going by it's the experience, right? So I guess it's nostalgia. It's like seeing that uh, forbidden fruit, if you will, in the theater when I wasn't supposed to be able to which always drove me crazy seeing it there uh with a good friend and then just embracing it on video and then like i said grabbing the laser and and, and I, uh, so many times i watched this movie Don't over and over the laser. <laughs> <laughs> was that the forbidden fruit that was rolling on the floor yeah that's why he <laughs> killed her you can't eat this this is forbidden fruit nice all right well that was a solid review do we get into a triple r yeah man all right, let's jump into the pig pen with 1973's Pigs, a.k.a. Daddy's Deadly Darling, a.k.a. the 13th Pig. Yes, and Deadly, the 13th Pig is great just for novelty. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Daddy's Deadly Darling would have been, uh, would have made a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah uh, because yeah, the, the I mean, pigs yeah. are not the village. Yet. Like, pigs makes it sound like it's killer pigs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is like motel hell, you think. When you see the first act, 
you think that this guy's like a farmer, Vincent, and he's doing this. And that's actually not even explained. There's all these suspicions in the beginning. Is something at hand here But with this guy? Is he doing something or is he not? Because it seems like it's very suspicious, everything that happens in the beginning. But then it goes, it, the movie gets turned on its ass and then we see what happens later. But that's my question. Is there anything going on? Um, and pardon me for not, not saying the name right. Um, what the hell is his name? The farmer, the, the lead guy. Zambrini? Zambrini. How could I forget that? Okay. So was Zambrini up to no good or not? Do you guys know? Because honestly, looking back, I'm like, it seemed like he was, I mean, eventually he aided in he doing, he did what he did to help out, you know, the girl. But I mean. No, I think, I think it was uh, like assholey neighbors. I think he was just like, you know, a quirky guy. Who, who lived by himself that took this girl under her wind and became a father figure to her and wanted to protect her. And I, I think they play around with that, but I, I never suspected that there was anything quirky other than the fact that he aids her later. You know what? It's, it's an interesting question. I, I don't know. I think, I think either way I, I could accept it. I, I've never really thought about it. But I think the fact that she connects with him, she even calls him out on on somebody who's uh, I forgot the exact line she says, but she says something to him like you know she sees like his sadness or something or sees you know like his um you know basically his regret for his life or something you know that he that he that he missed out on like the life he wanted because he was like a he was a circus clown like Christian. <laughs> <laughs> After his promotion, yes. And that cool, and that he, when he, when they show him as a clown, it looked exactly like Art the Clown to me. <laughs> you know what? Now that you mention it, I, I, I can see that. It looked a little bit like Art, but I I just thought it, this movie is surprisingly a really good character piece. They are very good together, Zambrini and uh, and Lynn, and yeah. I th- I think she does a terrific job. I really do. I think it, it it's. It's subtle enough where you're not really sure for a while what's going on. To give some context to this for the and without going yeah, scene I, I by scene. Even, I didn't even no, give a yes. Well, but but it, it's a fairly straightforward movie. So ultimately it's about a woman who escapes from an institution and hits the road running and, and ends up at this farm. Is there a reason why she goes back to the farms? Like this there's no connection. This is not she didn't grow up there or anything like that. She just well, takes she, said, she said she saw the sign. She was yeah, driving was, and she saw the sign. So that was it. She saw the yeah. sign that, that, you know, there's a there's a room there or a job, whatever it was. And uh, that's it. You know, in the synopsis on Wikipedia, and of course, you know, this is not, you know, it's Wikipedia. So whatever. It does say, you know, she takes refuge in a local diner inhabited by a man named Zambrini and his pig pen of human flesh-eating pigs. So <laughs> evidently, whoever wrote that is under the assumption that Zambrini is feeding his pigs human flesh and you know with with Macy and uh what's the other crazy neighbor's name Miss um, Macy and and whatever her, her the other one's name is you know you don't know it's not true I think I think it's kind of like a psycho instead of her stealing money and instead of the killer being the guy I, and maybe that's what they're trying to allude to but they, they set it up with her escaping from the asylum so we know right away that she's got some issues and she's running away so She's running away like Marion Crane, but but she gets to this place and very slowly <laughs> we we build on it and then she ends up killing somebody. Uh, it's a, a, a killing with some sort of sexual brutality to it based on what has happened to her in the past. And that's where I think the guy just becomes her father figure. And instead of 
of, of treating her the way her real father did actually protects her and uh, feeds the, the dead body to the pigs as a, knowing that it will get rid of the body. What we learned at the end is not 100%, but enough that no one is suspecting it later on. I think the nosy neighbors were just a way to make him look like he was more shady. That's This has been going on for a while, but I don't. I really don't think that he was killing anybody. I really don't think that. I think he just helped. But- somebody but they but they you know what you might be right but there's also just a, a few scenes and just a and just certainly the way he acts just to suggest <laughs> yeah. that maybe maybe there is something more and maybe even something supernatural because you know they they do have that nightmare image of him as the clown the neighbors yeah. and they wake up screaming and you know you just wonder like what is is Zambrini up to something is he a catalyst for it and certainly the way it ends suggests something you know supernatural you know they talk. i think he was protecting them i think he was protecting them at all like all right till the end until she did what she did and then uh, it goes the way it goes I'm, I'm being cryptic here why why are we not spoiling this movie you know i was no, we, we can, were spoiling we can, nightbreed we left right spoil pigs i mean spoil pigs uh, um Spoiled pigs! Don't eat the spoiled pigs! <laughs> I mean, I, I had to watch this on YouTube, too, so it wasn't on, like, Amazon or anything for me. I so, actually own this what? movie. I actually yeah. own this movie. What? Wow. <laughs> I'm a big fan of this movie. Someone suggested that I buy it. I blind bought it, and I've become a really big fan of this movie no for some shit. reason. Oh, shit! Wow. Yeah, I don't wow. know why. Like, it just... It's a, I, I it's a nice a small film. Bored by it, but there's something that's a charm about it, and I think the performances are really terrific, and and the the soundtrack and the score. Oh the god, chat. the music, the freaking song that they're playing. The, the Keep on driving off. down the road. That one or whatever. Like no, I, I'm <laughs> talking about. I'm talking about like the child, like eerie music and the songs that she's playing. Oh yeah, like, or that she's singing. Head and the conversation. Oh, that. Yeah, that, that type of stuff. I mean, the, the opening song Creepy. driving down the road. It's catchy, but it's. I mean, it's severely dated of course but well it's also it's it's severely directed within the story within the storytelling but i love that when they're like like drive down the road get away type thing like you never know what's down there too like i mean the lyrics were that's great that that feels that feels like 70s horror to me no and i i I wasn't bored of this at all this i didn't think that this was boring um i mean it it takes a while to get going until yeah i mean it takes a little while to get going the second half is definitely much better yes you know what it reminds me of in a way, and I think B, I, I know you're a big fan of this one, and you may, you may or may not agree, but it kind of has a, a a feel like the pacing, like Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. How all of a sudden she goes haywire in the third act. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what it reminds me of a little bit. But I, uh, how come they're saying that they're dead people? <laughs> those those pigs, they're dead people. The, the way they the way they talk about it at the beginning, well, it's like it's supernatural. Well, that's like, what well, Brandon that's, was saying, they're right? Kind of yeah. setting it, that, they're setting it up that way, and yeah, right. they're dead people. And then at the end, with the extra pig and everything, it's like it's like what what the hell? Maybe maybe there was a supernatural. I mean, they're just adding enough there to intrigue you. Like, uh-huh. is this supernatural? What's going on? Is she a pig? <laughs> <laughs> how about the cop when he said dead people have no civil rights? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the sheriff was funny. Even Miss Macy. Miss Macy had a funny line. She says to the sheriff at one point, she says, tell the, tell the doctor, because the doctor comes to see him, and she says to the sheriff, tell the doctor I'm not sick. There's nothing wrong with me. And the, right. the, sheriff, and the sheriff says to her, and she says, you know, check on Zambrini, and the sheriff says to Zambri- that Zambrini has rights. And Miss Macy says, what rights? I'm the one who's sick. Right after she told them to tell the doctor I'm not sick, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> 
Oh, you're right. That's crazy. Yeah. I thought that was a funny line. <laughs> that is funny. I didn't even oh, think of the supernatural, but yeah. I, again, I I thought it was thrown in there just to have like the nosy neighbors that always think that there's something going wrong beside there. But yeah, maybe there's something more to it. Definitely. I think there is. I I can't explain why. What's up with the 13th pig? Well, the 13th pig thing is is definitely a big question mark as well. Yeah, well, they, and that's the name of the movie. And they talked of. about it for a, a, a little bit about uh, what the mythical gods and, the, the, you know, something about worshiping pigs and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had written that down because that was the only little bit they explained about it, talking about it. And, you know, certainly referencing dead people turning into pigs when they're killed. <laughs> yeah. I think it was the, the Egyptians or something. You said yeah. Pigs. <laughs> that's amazing. Can that be true? I don't know. Well, whatever. How about that dog? I knew something was going to happen with that dog because they kept showing the relationship between that guy and that dog, and everything's going on. I was like, well, you know what's going to happen here. And sure enough, it did. And how about that guy? Freaking when he takes her out and he's trying to mess with her, and the sheriff shows up and, he, and he's like, oh, sorry about that light. And he goes, yeah, I bet you are. He told her. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> there are some unintentional funny moments to me, which. I think for me it moves slower than I did for you guys. I just, you know, it was okay. I I, I think you guys are gonna come in higher, but it it just it, it did move kind of slow. But they did have some of those funny moments. The second act, see to me that was a reveal because I'm an idiot. I when Christian said something, which is extremely obvious, that in the beginning she's running away from the asylum. For some reason, it didn't register when I walked the watched the movie. So to me, it was a reveal that she escaped an asylum later on in the movie. So, <laughs> well, when she dumps, you know, the clothes at the beginning, you I know, know. It, it looks like it could be a nurse's uniform for all. Right, I thought it was. I thought it, it was. W- a it was a nu- actually, it was a nurse. I'm sorry, it was a nurse's uniform. So you could just, th- you could just. But that's think how she got out. Run. I thought that's how she that, got out of the hospital. That is how she got yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. could just think that, oh, maybe well, she's now, just running from, you know, an abusive relationship or something. You don't have to necessarily think she's, she's crazy. Right, I, mean, you, I you, didn't. You, you get the assumption that she's off, but I, I don't think you get the assumption that she's a a killer. Until she is, and even when she kills, I, I, it's almost like it's not her. It's really like it's tragic because it's a result of this trauma of being, you know, a sexual abuse victim as a child, being raped by her father. Yeah, it's fucked up. So the beginning reminded me of a motel hell. Granted, this was way before, but I'm saying it had that vibe where you know the older guy and the younger girl, and she she came to the place, and and it's a farm, and there's pigs. You know what I mean? So I bet the you know the Motel Hell people saw this movie and based something off of that, but that that was kind of the vibe I got. And, and Motel Hell also moves kind of slow, but I, I think she was just on the verge of a breakdown. I mean, she's clear. Obviously, she's, she was in a mental institution, and when she gets out, you know, she finds comfort with Zambrini. He's really nice to her. takes care of, takes care of her. But then, you know, once she has her encounter with Ben and, and everyone else from there on out, it just sort of like she snaps. And even when when people show up that care about her, like the the guy who shows up for on behalf of the doctor to bring her back, like she's all like, "Oh, I'd love to see him," and "Oh, they they do miss me," and stuff like that. And it's you know it's it's kind of sad. And she's like, "Oh, okay, I'll go back." And then Zambrini says, "I'd I'd like you to stay." And she's like, "Okay." And then she kills you know the doctor. It's like it's crazy, sad. There's so many different variations of this, like not just the titles. Supposedly there's one. That featured a three-minute introduction depicting Tori Lawrence's character, portrayed, of course, by a different actress, similar looking, though. They said being possessed 
and the subject of an exorcism ending with her bolting from the room. And this was called Love Exorcist and also Blood Pen. <laughs> and then there's there's another version that says that a new ending with that she fakes her own death. And, well, maybe that's what maybe that's this one, because isn't that what he finds? He finds that are you to suspect that he he thinks that she was eaten by the pigs as well? Because she has the uh, he has the necklace, and then she bolts out with the car and picks up that guy that reminds her of her daddy. Yeah, is that what you're supposed to get <laughs> yeah. from that ending, where the guy's handed that we found this and he holds it? So was she like, what was the implication there? Were they, were they thinking she died? You know, I don't know. Hmm. I don't, I don't know. know either. Wow, right. We're all stumped on that, huh? I guess it's not clear cut. I don't know, and I'll be honest, I can't remember completely. So. Well, I just can't believe how many different versions of this there are. It's kind of crazy. It was filmed in eight days. And I guess, you know, in that day and age, it probably, they, they, you know, tried to get as much traction as they possibly could. So they, you know, titled it different ways and and had different versions. Yeah, that's weird, though. That's an awful lot for one film. Speaking of different versions, this, well, not speaking of different versions, but it just popped out of my head about the Italian blood. (laughs) Totally, totally Italian blood in this movie, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, it made me think of, you know, uh, Italian movies and different names and different versions. You know, they all have weird names overseas and shit. I totally <laughs> forgot about that, Christian. I definitely had read that before about the exorcist part at the beginning, the exorcism part. Wait, that it's so been... bizarre, but that doesn't fit this movie at all. No, I don't even no, know no. how they could have wedged that in. I still don't get, like, I'm going to have to read up about the 13th pig. I didn't realize it was that, uh, there was that much to it. But, I mean, um it's definitely interesting. It, it, there's there's good here. Dave, I'm not super high, but I, I was just surprised at how much I, I enjoyed it overall. I would say that after the intro and after you get to know the guy a little bit more, he's great. The farmer guy's great. It's just that um, it does, I don't want to say drag, but it is it is a bit slow until you get to that kill. And then I think from that point to the end, it's really just go, go, go. Yeah. from I agree. It just took a little long to get there for me. Just yeah. slow paced. You know, I don't know. But, it moved for me. It's a very short film. Yeah, true. It is only an hour. I like the characters. 20. I was I wasn't looking at it for for gore effects. I thought the screaming of the pigs was was haunting enough. And, How about uh, that scene when the, when the girl and the pig are squealing, screaming and squealing at the same time? Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Great scene. I, yeah. I don't you know. know I, I, just, I you know I'm I'm a big character character piece person. I don't know. I like it, and I I really. I don't want to say connected with these characters, but I like the, the arc of these characters, and you really kind of felt for them, for both of them, for Zambrini and for Lynn. Well, I, I agree. It it didn't it didn't help my situation that I, I watched this movie in three sittings. That's how limited my time is, and yeah. thank goodness we only have two more shows where we have to watch have to watch more than three movies. Yeah, <laughs> because I, I watched the first like twenty minutes here, then I watched forty minutes on my phone while my daughter was seeing a counselor in the freaking waiting room. And then I watched the rest, um, you know, back at the house the next day. So it took, that's just the way, that's the sad reality that it is right now for, for watching movies. And again, a couple more shows that won't be that way and awesome, <laughs> but maybe that, that, that affected it. That does happen sometimes. You ever like watch a movie halfway through and then stop and go back and then all of a sudden because you weren't in that zone of being in that movie, it, it's... Yep. No, absolutely. Yeah, I think that that might have been to a deterrent for me. It might not be the movie's fault. It's most likely my fault. So, happens. Yeah, that's okay. I love the reveal even though, you know, you can kind of pick up on it. I love the, you know, when she's talking to, you know, an empty phone line at the end. 
Oh, that's sad. Yeah, you know what it reminds just... me of? What? No, sorry, B. No, no guy, what, what were we going to say? It, it took me back to Black Coat's daughter. Yes, yeah. yeah. Again, Black Coat's daughter was way later, but I saw it first. But that, that's what yeah. it reminded me of. But yeah, dude, that was sad, that whole thing. Yeah. See, and it's that age-old thing. Do you have pity for these people because they're not right in the head? When they go and they kill somebody, how do you feel about that? And that's that's the question that, that people... I'll have different answers to it. Look, this is this is just a movie, so I didn't really, kind of, I didn't try to relate to anything in real life. But for the sake of this movie, I really connected with these characters, even though you know they ended up killing and chopping people up. And even when she kills Zambrini at the end, you know they're they're not right, and he's almost like like okay with it, like like he still wants to like protect her, and he still loves her, even though you know she she killed them. He's trying to get her to leave. <laughs> yeah. He's just yeah. all, all he's doing, trying to protect her, and he doesn't. He, he never really gets. He never gets nasty with her, except you know at the True. very beginning. You know, he gets a little. You know, hey, what are you doing? But but he. But that he was him. That was his character, and that's why he said. Yeah. Then he then he becomes her father, father figure. Yeah. Like it, it's it's yeah. Right. There's there is some good good stuff. Like I said, it, it's not it's not by by any means great, but for a movie that costs a hundred thousand bucks, shot in eight days back in the early seventies, there there is some uh, there's some good stuff here. I just enjoy it more than. Uh... Than probably most people do, and the direct and she she was the director's daughter, yeah, Lynn. And oh, uh, really? She, yeah, and okay. she was married to Billy Bob Thornton for a little while. Really? Yeah. Wow. Nice. That's cool. Piece of useless trivia. <laughs> I like that though. He's got good taste, Billy Bob Thornton. Hell yeah. Going by his wives that I'm aware of. Yeah. 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 Now he's done okay for himself. Speaking of that, that's gonna tie in a little bit to something that happens in the next movie. What do you think of that? Hmm. <laughs> no one knows what I'm talking about, but you will. But you will. You will. So how high are you, Brandon? I'm curious here. 7.5 out of 10. Oh, okay. All right. That's I'm 6.5. I'm not. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I'm not like a 9.5 out of 10. I, okay. It, no. It's it's a 7. But I, but it's a, it's a 7.5 that I love. I'm glad I own it. I, I've even come up. I think at one point I was giving this like a 6.5 and, and still saying I loved it. But okay. I recognize it's not, you know. I'm with Dave. I, I'm, I, I was going to say 6.75, but no, 6.5 is right. It, there's some good stuff, and it's worth a watch. Nice. I love when we do that. It's like I'm talking, two of us are talking, well, three of us are talking, but one guy comes off one way, and one guy comes off another way, and at the end, it's the same rating. It's like me and C on this one. I love when we do that. It happens a lot, man. Well, a rating is just sort of like a guide at the end of the day. Who gives a fuck? I mean, we're just trying to give you an yeah, idea of what we yeah. think. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I gotta be honest with, with me with rating films. I feel like it's I true. feel like sometimes I'm all over the place. Like I, I like I don't really know. Sometimes I get done rating a movie and I think I'm like, did I rate that right? Like, I, I don't know. Like, but at the end of the day, I really enjoy this film and I, I think people should check it out if they have it. Yeah. Cool. All right. That's awesome. That's pigs. Right on. That's pigs. So now we're going back into um, another feature. Yes. And, well, we already know that we're ending with Videodrome, so that's going to lead us to The Descent. Next up, The Descent from 2005, written and directed by Neil Marshall. A caving expedition goes horribly wrong as the explorers become trapped and ultimately pursued by a strange breed of predators. A strange breed, indeed. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> all right. A night breed to a strange breed. And all our, all our movies are connected in, in one way, shape, or form tonight. Not all, but the three main runs. It's kind of interesting. You know, Indeed. we got the Cronenberg connection. We got the Canada connection. We got uh, underground people in Nightbreed, and we have underground people in this movie. So there is connections. Up. Yeah, left, right, and center. Yep. 
Yep, yep. And we have the Tomb Raider connection. Because <laughs> I was just saying last movie about, you know, uh, Billy Bob Thornton's exes. And I was talking about the queen, Miss Jolie herself, you know, Tomb Raider. And, yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I ventured, no, no, she's not She's not close to that that territory, bud. Uh, Juno is a, a pretty decent replacement for um, Angelina as a Tomb Raider. I can say that. So who, but, who gave us this one again? This movie? Neil um, Marshall. No. <laughs> the Descent was given to us from the Ram Man. Uh, yeah, The Descent and Nightbreed are from the Ram Man. And, you uh, better have changed your fucking tune on oh, this film. I really cannot wait. Oh, well, the, yeah, well, that was it, because I, I told um, Eric Webster that, uh, well, I didn't tell him anything. He, he said that he really wanted me to check this out again, too, and we were waiting to do it. So f- thanks to the Ram Man, it, it, it's now been done. And my tune... Has definitely changed. Nice. Yes. I, I'll, I'll open that. I'll just like I'll just say I yes. don't know. Open it wide <laughs> <laughs> for this movie. Um, I don't know what was you know. I think I've mentioned it before. I think it was the company I was with, and I was really tired because I, I I jokingly said I fell asleep, but I, it wasn't a joke. I did fall asleep when they're chit chatting. That chit chatting is literally the first fifteen to twenty minutes of the movie tops. And I mean, yeah. it's not long at all. And then they were going into the cave and I was in and out. And then I just, I wasn't vested, invested into the film and I didn't give it a fair shake. And I, I came off with a half-assed memory of, of what it was. It is an absolute gorgeous movie. I'm talking about the cinematography, oh women, everything about it. it it's great. Oh, I love it. Everything you said, I agree with. And I even feel like the, uh, the chit chat, that scene, even though it's like, what is it like probably like a five ten minute scene tops it does everything to establish what you need to know about these characters oh yeah no it was a filler and i i I, I was just saying i don't know what i was going on about i i i feel like i was so wrong about this movie not even just mildly wrong but so wrong about the movie Uh, i'm so glad to hear that (laughs) yeah i I feel like you were too yeah now i feel like i gotta watch dog soldiers again too because i have no, I didn't even I didn't remember liking that one at all either. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'm just not a Neil Marshall fan. Um, I enjoy Dog Soldiers, but I I think this is uh, well, on another level uh, of everything, of filmmaking, of everything. Like I, I initially, I, I know what you're saying about being turned off a little bit in the beginning for any reason. I did you put on the subtitles or no? No, I know I don't okay. find the accents off putting. Is that what where you okay. you find them hard to understand? I watch a subtitles bit. to everything. <laughs> I watch <laughs> subtitles about fifty percent of the time, so I feel you. Uh, in something like this, I was like two minutes in. I said, "Oh yeah, I gotta put on the subs because the accents will take me out of it sometimes if I don't understand every word or whatever." So it helps me stay into the plot more, so I don't miss it miss a beat. One hundred percent of the times for me, it's subtitles, and it always was. But if it wasn't always, it certainly would have been after the Puppet Master Littlest Reich review. but i made the same mistake and how crazy is that when you said that i thought that was the guy's name so you weren't the only one maybe it was the copy we had because we had it sent to us the screener a video screener from somebody maybe just had bad sound or something because we had the racially inappropriate copy i i don't know what to tell you but that's what he said yeah, it's fine. It, no one knows what we're talking about because it was totally no, edited out of the episode. The only, not even the only time I ever asked you to edit something out. Yeah, usually whatever we say just fucking stays. But the only time. 
It's no big deal. We it wasn't. We it's an innocent error. He called himself that, so it wouldn't be bad. We just thought that the guy that goes by the name of Cuddly Bear was calling himself Colored Bear. That's <laughs> it's true. It's nothing to be ashamed of because I thought it too, and I thought I was the only one. And I thought it was kind of a weird name, and I was waiting for someone else to say it, and then B said it. And I'm like, okay, so it's not me. And then other people I heard, I think Christian might have corrected us on the show, or maybe I heard another podcast and they called him Cuddly Bear, but I thought he was saying Colored Bear. It was just. Yeah, like, I thought so too. I'm like, yeah, well, he is a Colored Bear. He's well, I could be called Colored Bear. Wouldn't have to be something racial. No, you know what that's I mean? true. the name, Colored Bear. Why not? You know? But anyway, that's another. We said that ship is, is sailed and sunk, you know? I love, you know what? I love this film. Oh boy! Six yeah. six super strong female lead characters that not one of them really makes any stupid choices, with the exception of one character, and it's a little thing, and I don't blame her for for doing it, and we'll get to that. Actually, I'll just say it's um Holly's re- reaction when she sees the light, just to to dart out and start you know racing at full speed in the cave. But that makes sense considering but, yeah, the situation. Exactly, that's why I could forgive it because like yeah. you know it's like oh you know they're at that point it's like. They're really scared at this point. They want any bit of life. But that opening sequence, I love the rafting Oof. sequence. Oh, what an ac- the, the rafting sequence is great, only followed by that accident. And, oh. and, and, and knowing that the, the accident is caused by him thinking about the other girl, yes. the husband, and, and being distracted. Oh, And then getting that thing through his head. Oof. And, ju- and just seeing oh. the second one and, and seeing the trajectory and where it lines up, I mean, you know it went through the, the little girl. I mean, you know. I mean, it's perfectly lined up there, but without showing it. Oof. Right. right. I want to skip, not to the end, I want to ask a question pertaining to the end, because I saw one version for years on DVD, and then I remember seeing uh, um, the, the unrated director's cut somewhere else. It wasn't the blue that I have now, which is fucked up. Uh, Stunning, by the way. But yeah. let me say this: I saw another version that ended a different way, and then I watched this one, this blue, for the first time in a while the other day, thinking because I was watching the unrated that it was going to have that piss poor ending, and no, it had the ending with that ended in the cave with a birthday cake, and then yeah, well, well that, that's the real version. The unrated is the UK right. ending, yeah, and the theatrical is the US. They can't they. Made that piss poor cut because they said for U.S. audience they felt it was a little too dark of an ending. But oh man- wait a minute, let me interrupt you. When I saw the movie at the theater, the original ending was that it was the friggin' the birthday cake thing. No, and no, I, mean, I always oh. remember it, uh, the jump scare, and I always said they never, they never gave you jump. closure. Well, they never. I don't remember them giving you closure or feeling like they gave you closure on that whole birthday cake thing because there wasn't the payoff of her staring into. Like Nothing nothingness, <laughs> right? The descent. Yeah, that's like, how it ended when I saw it at the theater. Then when it came in the DVD, they had some other ending. They still had the same jump in both scenes, but then something. It was just like inconsequential that she got out and she had a jump. But then when I got this blue and I watched it this time, it it brought back that original ending. That's my recollection of. The oh movie. no, no, they they know. they made her escape in the U.S. version, and she and you're you're led to believe that she escaped. Yeah, and then you're left with the feeling, well, she's she's traumatized forever anyway because now not only she lost her husband and a daughter but she just lost all of her friends and was responsible for one or two of their deaths one way or the other so she's she's done true and then but it was that jump scare where it's 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 even more haunting i think having her in the cave with no exit (laughs) like when that pans out there's no exit 
So oh, you yeah, guys the, agree the unrated is way, is way way better. Well, because I don't so, remember the birthday cake coming into the end of the U.S. version. I could be wrong because I only saw it once in the theater. But So this one is said, okay, now they revealed the birthday cake. And maybe they did do the reveal, but it just didn't have the same impact because it was missing the shot of her just staring out. And it's just her torch that's lit yeah. and her looking at nothing. But in her head, she feels like she's been... She's been joined, rejoined watched, with her daughter. I, I just went to both endings on the uh, Blu-ray b- before, and the, the rated ending, which was the U.S., just ends with the jump scare, just which is yep. a typical U.S. thing to do. And then the U.K. Okay. version just has her waking up in the cave and, and the birthday cake and staring into the void. Maybe I'm it. mistaken. Maybe I'm mistaken where like, the theater was one thing. Then the first home release, they showed the new release. Or, pardon me. They showed the new ending with the cake. And yeah. then I saw it another way, and they took it out, and I was bummed out about it. And then I saw this hoping it was going to be the right ending, and it was. So it just could be me seeing it four different times and having, I don't know, mishmashed oh, in there. But <laughs> let me ask you guys this. Let me okay. just say. Let, I want to pose one question, and we, we don't have to talk about the ending anymore. I just want to say. That's what we're here for. Do you look at that as a positive or a negative? Do you look at that as she has snapped and lost her mind and she's hallucinating and she's probably going to die soon and that's part of what's going on? Or do you look at it as she has died and now she is reunited with her child? First one. Yeah. And, and But there's a... Okay. In her mind, though, she feels like she's reunited and she snapped. Either version and either ending she could be responsible for everything. Right. You could argue that she's responsible for like everything and there were no monsters whatsoever. There's a couple oh, there's a yeah. couple of things I don't like that. That's that No, why would that, she That's be the there? Brandon Orlick. No, and I I, I, was, I was say, that's, that's a me type of of, uh, of interpretation but not Mental even illness. I could go there. Not even I could go there. I love that this is a creature feature where, Oh yeah. But it's also, you know, a character study, but it's a perfect blend of the two. Man, yeah, a and psychological character study, I should say. You guys have the blue or no? I, I have, I have a Blu-ray of the first one, DVD of the second. Okay, I don't, I don't have it. No. Let me tell you guys, this blue, I have probably a thousand Blu-rays in my collection. I would say that this is one of the top ten best-looking movies I, I own, and I didn't know it until I watched it the other day for the first time in probably five or six years uh, on my new system and everything. And you know, but I, I was blown away by how good this thing looked in, in every way, shape, and form. It, it, it was it was like, I someone could have said this was a 4K and I would have believed them. But there's some you know really what? great colors it, in it. That, I mean, dude, the colors popped. The yeah. greens and the reds, yeah. beautiful. Plus, I mean, the, the framing of the landscapes and the caves mm-hmm. and, and just the way they, they, I mean, the way they start with the outdoor scenes, you know, at the beginning of them rafting and then showing like, the mountains and the vast openness That's of it gorgeous. and then going into the caves like it's it's like that like it's almost like that intentional juxtaposition and it's beautiful oh yeah no you're right and and dave i'll go once or, or for dave because i remember you arguing this not arguing this but discussing this on 47 meters down when you're saying how the fear of you underwater with a breathing oh. apparatus and being worried my claustrophobia in this movie was at an all time. I'm watching it. Mm-hmm. I'm squirming in my seat, and I'm at home watching. It. I can't. I'm when they're when they're squeezing through. I'm like, oh. I'm not doing that. Oh, there's no way I could do that. And then she gets nope. stuck in that oh one point, God. and she starts hyperventilating. I'm like, that's me. I, yep. I I just die right there. That that Dude, I'm, I'm a goner. Yes. Yes, and at that point, yeah. I'm oh. freaking out. Every time they pop their head up through the water when they came through that little opening, oh. and they were like in the water, and they popped their head up. They showed each person coming up through there, and I was just like. <laughs> 
I can't do this. Oh. I can't watch this. Horrible. Dude, so tense. Oof. And I said that on that on that very I remember seeing this movie in the theater and being bugged out when she got stuck. Because you know half of the reason she got stuck is panic. And because of the things she's been through. And okay, now of course this is what's gonna happen to me now. And in the situation she's uncomfortable for many reasons and she's stuck. And then when you panic, it makes manners worse, and then you run out of air. So I remember Having that feeling watching it in the theater, but the other day I'm watching it, my wife is next to me for that scene, and I and my words basically were, fuck that, fuck going underground like that, I, no way. And she goes, you wouldn't do it? I said, no, and I will not go underwater. I told her, I said, no. I, with, when it comes to breathing, no, I, 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 I'm bugged out about it. So yeah. it, it hit me too, man. Here, yeah. here are my whys, though, and it's a good bring, a time to bring it up, for, specifically for this one. My one why, why would they let that in? Well, she said she had some experience, but she was most likely the least experienced of the group when it came to this. Why would they let her go through last? Other than for dramatic dramatic progression, why would they make her be the last one? Are you saying Sarah was the least experienced? Well, she said, I mean, she did say, wasn't she the character that said, oh, I've done this before. It's not like I've never done this before. Yeah, uh, when no, they're going I, in, but like, why wouldn't they? Wouldn't you think that they would make one of the more experienced ones? Like, they've got a few of them there that were really two. into it. So one should have been at the beginning. One should have been at the end. You they let Juno her go last. You got Juno and Becca who are really the leaders, and I, I get a sense that Sarah and even uh, Beth and even Holly to an extent, even though she probably hasn't done this, but she is a daredevil. All have experience. To me, the the least qualified seems like the sister who wants to be a doctor. Sarah seemed like she's fine. It seemed like, why would you let her go last? Because she's like, well, traumatic still, not, yeah. still not right in the head. Well, exactly. You know, after, it's been a year, but I feel like she's definitely had experience. Okay, well then, uh, I, I put in experience, but it's also for the traumatic experience as well. That she, yeah. she said, so I just said, again, that's for dramatic progression because of the fact she gets stuck. They got to yeah. get her out there and then the cave collapse. So I, I understand from a, from a flow of story and, and to get it to the next level. But it was just one of my whys, because I feel like they it's wouldn't okay. have let her do that. Uh, no, trust me, it's a minor, minor thing in the big picture. Uh, how did they find out about this cave? It wasn't claimed, even though they, they find out that there's some some uh, paraphernalia down there that's like hundreds of years old or Oh, that's, or a, that's such an awesome scene, too, when they see oh, the old, yeah. the old uh, hook that's, you know, wedged in there. And yep. But like, yes. just, <laughs> it's so great. Yeah, no, I, I, it totally makes sense, too, because... Becca plays the responsible one who she, you know, she even told like the rescue people where they would be, uh, where they would be going into the caves and stuff. And then it's Juno who's the one who, who tricks them all, you know, and they're not at Borum Caves or at this, you know, new location that she heard about that, that has been undiscovered and un, you know, charted. descended, undescended, <laughs> uncharted. Yeah. No, she calls it a, um, un- is it undiscovered? It's, it's well, she says system. it's undiscovered because it's a new system, and they want to, and they they thought she could give her her name, and then she's like, "Yeah, more like your name or whatever." Or but that yeah, exchange, that like, how did she even know that existed? And if it if it did exist, don't you think these guys, those thrill seekers, that would have been the first thing they dumped jumped down into, knowing that there was something uncharted or undescended? So I just again suspension of disbelief in thinking that they were able to get there first. You're right. I never thought about it. Like, if, if Juno knew that it was a new system, then other people would know it was a new system, etc. Why wouldn't they go? Again, That's it's true. the story, but exactly. Yeah, story. <laughs> Unless there was danger there, and it said, you know, no one goes there because it's not possible. You're probably not going to live through it. But why would she be so bold as to, as to make that big of a, of a leap? You it's know? pretty Figured remote. I mean, and the Appalachian is so huge. So I, I don't think it's probably... 
that far-fetched, not for me anyway, to imagine that she found this really obscure location that clearly hasn't been claimed and she just assumes hasn't been explored. Look, so I'm, really I, not- I'm the one that usually doesn't come up with these questions and I'm always like marvels at, at Dave like going, well, how do you think? But And again, I didn't want to shit on this. I was like watching this going... This is fucking fantastic. And it was like from, you know, right from the get go. And so the, I'm like, this is great. I'm enjoying this. Man, I'm an asshole for not <laughs> revisiting this for so long. But these things did pop in my head. Nothing crazy. I'm not like, I'm not shitting on the movie, but those were the two, two, uh, my, I call them my whys. Why? Yeah, they're good whys. They yeah. are. They're good. You're not shitting on the movie at all. That's, yeah. you know what? It's not going to affect my rating, but I'll tell you what, it's, it's something to ponder, especially the second one uh, about, yeah. Because why why would nobody else have done it before? So I do get it. I don't know. But it's a new system. It's kind of like, you know, the Digabus system or something. But now <laughs> <laughs> Yoda's down there. Uh, yeah. I call these guys ghoulies that didn't go to college because I was trying to be all witty. Uh, they don't look like you're absolutely like they don't look like them at all. I was just being an asshole in my original review. And. Uh, they they are creepy as fuck, oh. and those scenes where like he's pretty much has one hand on her head, and he's like standing <laughs> up atop, like I'm freaking out. Yeah, and this movie's freaking gory. Yeah, yes, that bone, <laughs> that bone popping out. Oh, oh, that oh, I even yeah. gave it kudos back in the day. I said that scene was cringe-inducing in a yeah. in a in a good way, like in a oh my god, I can't take this. <laughs> yeah, this is this is bloody. This is a really bloody movie. That that scene where mm-hmm. and that and I I would call it iconic, especially if more people see it. That scene where Sarah rises in the uh, in the oh. pool of blood, like that is just. Made me think of that's Apocalypse Now. Made you think of what? Apocalypse Now. It wasn't blood that Martin Sheen came out of, but that's yeah. the that it was like the direct comparison yeah, I could think very of visually. Much like that. Yeah, but it's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Right. <laughs> so, Man, what badass fighting scenes between Juno and the creatures, Sarah and the creatures? Yes, Juno is fucking amazing. Her mistake there. She's the one that punches the friend through the neck. Like, yeah. that's forgivable. Yeah. It's it her was, leaving her right. there that was, yeah. like, she was in full adrenaline attack mode. No flight, yeah. fight. And that was just a reaction. Could happen to all of, any of us. Uh, mm-hmm. The downfall is, like, her reaching out and saying, help me, help me. And her saying, oh, well. Uh, and just sort of crying her way back and, and getting out of there. Yeah. It, you know what? Like, go ahead, B. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you could almost forgive almost every single thing in this movie given the situation that everyone is in like at the end it's 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 almost tragic even for every character even even for juno because you know even though she left her and yeah that's a shitty thing to do there was no like maliciousness in that and she panicked and even when she's telling sarah oh you know she's dead you know you could see there's a look on her face that you know she she messed up like she's not she's not like ha ha ha, i left her for dead well no of course not but it, it almost reiterated her selfishness, her selfishness of A, cheating on her best friend with her husband, and B, now this, which is a totally uh, like elevated level of fuck you, uh, survival mode kick in. And, and I, I thought I thought the girl was slitting her own neck at first, you know, with that keychain. I thought oh, that's right. what she was doing to like try to finish the job herself. <laughs> I'm like, because she, she gets up at one point, you see the blood firing out of her neck. Yeah, man. Listen, this is what's great about this movie is that the characters that are in it, what they do makes sense to me. Like Juno, it makes sense to me that she would leave her. And that's because she already has enough guilt 
she honestly has guilt. Yes, she is still mourning the death of that guy because she says something earlier. You, you, you know, we all lost something yeah. in that accident. And that, that, that's a double entendre. I mean, she lost, obviously, one of her best friend's child and her best friend's sanity, it, it, so to speak. And, of course, she's talking about her feelings for her husband or her friend's husband. Yep. And I get that. But the thing about that is I think that she feels guilty enough, and she really – genuinely wants to have this to rekindle all of them and maybe in her own way make things up you know to sarah to even say i think she was genuine in saying that i'm thinking maybe we can name this thing after you 100 percent, 100 yes because she has guilt about what happened yeah with, true you know, with him so i think I that if she, i think the reason she left her friend is because she has a guilty conscience as is and if she didn't i think that the fear of be of that being discovered or, you know, because even though it was an accident, if that girl lives to tell and goes and tells these other girls this, oh, Juno stabbed me, she's going to think that they're automatically going to vilify her just because she has a guilty conscience. That's why I think that that move makes sense. That's all I'm saying. If somebody has something like that happen, I could, to me, I would never do that. I, I, I like to think you guys wouldn't, but I mean, I understand the reason behind it because she already has a guilty conscience. I think she feels shitty. And she's afraid of losing all her friends. And if this girl says, hey, by the way, and she knew her dirty little secret. Yeah, Beth knew. Yeah. So if she knew, who knows who else knew? So they already might have issues with this girl, with Juno. And she's like, maybe she made one mistake and she shouldn't. But now if these other girls are aware that she's messed around with Sarah's husband and now killed this girl and they don't understand why, then she's vilified completely. Well, they're, so, they're the main three. I feel like, uh, you know, Becca and Sam are sort of like... I don't want to say secondary friends, but like secondary friends. <laughs> you think so? I think yeah. it's all of them partying together or, or taking those adventures together all the time. I think it's no, like I th it's it's. I think it's uh, Beth, Juno, and Sarah. That's why they start with the uh, the rafting trip, showing that that you know it's you know it's built between them. The, the Is it big just relationship. them? Yeah, I feel yeah, it's just them on that. Okay, well then, then you're probably right. You, I thought it was all. I wasn't. You know that there are arguments or are. Uh, um, people out there that do like the idea of it being all in her mind. And she was the one that went on the killing spree. And even Neil Marshall says that he's not against that theory. It's not maybe his intent, but he's got enough in there. or He put even enough in there that he could allow people to have that thought process too. I'm not, I was never, I, I'm actually a sucker for taking things at face value quite often. So I just take it as a monster. Uh, I, heard, I heard you take a lot of things at face level. <laughs> Oh, face value. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You what a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Bull son of a bitch. <laughs> but when she oh. pumps, the only thing I, 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 the only, I don't want to say hate, but going back to that ending, which is so great and haunting and, and upsetting when she's just in the, in that cave by herself at the end with her torch staring into nothing. And that's where it ends. The only thing about that, that I don't like is it takes away from her rebirth, if you will, or and her resurrection of coming up through the ground and out, and I think that's such a great feeling. I, it's almost like you almost feel like she's re, like like I said she's reborn, only then to only not get away and to be stuck down there and in hell. I don't yeah, know if I, broke I, up, I mean sorry. I get that that scene. It's almost like yeah, like giving birth to a new to a new version of Sarah. But even if even if that's the way it ended, it's it's not a better version by any means. Well, no, it's a completely it's a completely broken, destroyed version. She's out, but yeah, that's exactly it. Based on what she's gone through, you're right. She's not reborn into anything positive. 
Yeah, I mean, even no, but, even killing Juno, I mean, it just it, that's at this point she's broken. But I got to think the whole the whole idea of of realizing that she lost her husband long before the accident because of that medallion says what what did it say? It said like uh, love, love each, every day, love every love day. Each day, love each day, You're love right. each day. I mean, yep. you knew like just seeing that and seeing you know you saw like you just knew like he was gonna end up leaving her for Juno. I totally right, misread that. Oh my god! I yeah, I did. thought it said love bleach day, and I'm like, see, all these girls bleach their assholes too, <laughs> and all these girls bleach their assholes. Sorry, I I couldn't help it. <laughs> I don't wedge that joke. Love bleach day, Dave. Hey, you see the husband called changing your ringtone. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Waka waka. Finally, it's finally said on the show. Well, Watson just posted like nice. Well, he probably does love bleach day because he's messing around with both of those girls. Maybe they're all into that scene, you know? Hey, hey, hey. And he, he loves it from Juno. Maybe he does anal with Juno and um, vaginal with his wife. And that's his gift. So I love Bleach Day, baby, you know? <laughs> that's in but the I unrated. Mean, that's in the cabal cut. <laughs> <laughs> it would be so ballsy for him to take a slogan that his wife knows, he says, because they said that's just something that he used to say she said. So for him to be so bold, as to put that on anything and give it to another woman, especially one that is one of the, the your your wife's best friends. I yeah. mean, that, that's ballsy. I mean, if you just give somebody a, a woman a piece of jewelry, you could keep that between you and them. No one's gonna know. But if they ever saw that and said love each day, I mean, come on, you would know who it's from. That's why B. I think maybe you're right. I think maybe he was gonna leave her. Oh, I think without a doubt. Do you think there was? I mean, one of the questions I have. Do you think there was any suggestion that maybe Sarah even knew? a year earlier what was going on because even like it, it seemed playful from her yeah. end when she pushed uh juno out of the raft into yep. the water but the look that juno gives is like a look of like concern like like why would you do that is, does she know something <laughs> i think so and maybe because we don't know maybe she was asking her husband what's wrong kind of trying to get it out of him in the car because yeah. we never get that far before smasherino yeah, and that could present, right. you know, the hostility, you know, you know, more like name it after you, some of the things like that. They're very right. kind of disconnected, even though it's a year later and she was clearly, you know, there for her. But you're right. Goodbye. I think she had suspicions, but but no proof. So it's always it's, uh, you know, it's underneath it all. There, there she is, because she even says, what's this about you or me? She says. So, I mean, there's a couple times. So maybe so. And they have some look. So I think going into it, knowing the outcome, knowing that, you know, this has happened. It's not your first view. You almost look for those things. Yeah. And the thing is, you find them. So it's like, hmm, maybe that's the intent. And if so, that's fine. That's, I don't know. It's it's more believable than it's something just being right under her nose. The way I look at it, you know, things like that. You catch on to shit like that. You see how people react when they're a little more playful. And you know what I mean? You can tell. Yeah. It, you know, it, it didn't seem it didn't seem super playful. Right. No, it didn't. And I, you could just get that. I hear you. You know what's great about this movie is that you do not even see these antagonists until 50 minutes in. 5-0. Yeah. You hear a little bit, a couple things. You don't see them until then. But then, but it's worth the wait. Because yeah. then when you do see them, and they still keep them in the shadows, and they only show them a couple times creepily. And, you know, until the last act, like there's like, you know, after after we see him for like the next fifteen minutes, you see some cool things. Them crawling on the ceiling, this and that, maybe one at a time, and then a couple scenes. But you don't really get up close and personal until the last act, and then it's balls to the wall. But 
It's and done I, so well. Yeah, it is. But they're, once... they're hidden. And I, I heard that they're hidden in a couple of scenes. So if you go back and now I'm interested in rewatching it again now to mm-hmm. see if I can find them in the hidden moments where yeah. supposedly they're, they're in the frame where you just, your eye might not go to initially. The only scene I don't love of them, it just seems a, a little too CG for me, is, uh, and it reminds me a little bit, you mentioned Mouth of Madness earlier with the monsters coming through the portal, yeah. is Which right, before Ju- right before Juno's, yeah, right before Juno's yeah. death. And they're just, yeah, it's... <laughs> it, it, doing it, that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they're just, I don't know, it just, it seems a little... A little I, wonky there. But. I hear you, but I, I was not against it either. I, I think they were trying to show them a little bit more illuminated at that point. Maybe they could have shadowed them more to take well, away that. I think it would have been better if she was just staring almost into darkness and didn't see anything, but you just hear the overwhelming amount of screams that, that you know there's cool. a million of yeah. them coming. But but I love the creatures and, and the gore. And, you know, when she, when she, you know, kills Beth, you know, I mean – that's a heartbreaking scene, but you saw what her legs looked like. Oh my god, she was all like eaten up already. What about when the little what about what about when the little monster got killed and the mom monster went uh, ape shit? Oh Remember, yeah, this is just a family. These these guys came into their territory. Yeah, they weren't asking for, to be to be disturbed. They all had moments <laughs> of being badass. Even even the one who wasn't really that experienced, the one who wanted to be a doctor. Even her death scene, like she knew she was gonna die. She like grabs the knife and stabs oh. it like. As it rips her throat out, and, and then she leans back and bleeds out. Oh. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Oh, oh man, it's great that that they're that they're amazing creatures. These things, the way they can crawl on the ceiling and the things they can do. But if you get one close up, one on one, they're not particularly huge, and you can beat them. I don't want to say easily, but you can beat them just by puncturing them with something. Like, yes. I like that that they're not so supernatural. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I've heard people complain about it, saying that they go down too easy, but. I don't think they go down too Just easy. Just like Brandon. Think... <laughs> <laughs> you motherfucker, you bald chinny in you. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> awesome. And how they, they hunt like bats, and, and they're, they're compared to bats, and yeah, the story but... about how they've evolved and all that shit. They're very interesting. How come the one had human hair? Did you realize that one? Yeah, the female one. Had, that was the mom, like... wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, she had like Crypt Keeper-like hair. Yeah. I thought they it was like uh, Cindy Lauper, like. Circa maybe, maybe she got the last bottle of Rogaine. See, what did you say? You broke up. I, I, I said she was like. I thought she looked like Cindy Lauper, Circa the Goonies. <laughs> Speaking of which, on a total side note, if if they just stayed at home and watched that video for thirty seconds longer, they would have seen the whole movie play out. What video? In the Goonies, I'm talking about. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> sorry. In my mind, I went to the Goonies. <laughs> you know when the Goonies, the City Lopper video comes on, and they leave the house and the song kicks on, but if they just stayed and watched that video, they would have seen the whole movie play out in front of their eyes. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, damn it. <laughs> the most so, self-referential yeah. movie ever. It actually plays the video that has video of the movie in it. <laughs> yeah, they'd be in the footage. Wow, yeah. that's trippy. That's like, oof. Man. Well, that's why Brandon make... went after him because Brandon was tied up. He saw the whole video and uh, he's like, I got to go rescue these idiots. I, I know, know what to do. I know where they are. <laughs> oh, that's in the cabal cut version. Of <laughs> Everything's got the cabal cut now. Yeah, there's multiple cuts. Yep. <laughs> Everything should have a cabal cut, I think. The sloth cut. <laughs> the sloth cut. Anyway, I was very happy to revisit it. It is going into rotation view now uh, because now Ooh. I'm interested in seeing if I can find like those little those little Easter egg shots of the, the creatures because they do exist. I mean, of course, it gets a little bit more overt when, when you actually see, like, 
it looks like it's the, the, the roof of the cave. And then suddenly you see, you, you see the mouth open. I think some drool comes out and you hear the sound effect. That's where like you really first see them. But I think they build up to that. I think there's like maybe two shots before that. So I've read that might be, they might be hidden in the frame. Sweet. I like the first time we see him when you just, when Sarah just sees the one doing its thing by itself. It's like, I saw a man or something. She said, they don't believe her the way it looks all creepy. And yep. another creepy shot later when it's like right before the final showdown, you just see those, those three of them together and they turn and look and they're all sitting still, man. So you, you had creepy shots in here and you had gore, all good kills. Yeah. You had throats getting ripped out. You have insides being eaten and suspense uh, and suspense. Yeah. You have all of this going on and the CGI Pretty much works except for some of the blood shots, which you knew I was going to complain about. But that's it's a minuscule, and that's what it is. And I understand what B was saying about them all crawling on the ceiling at the end, and I get that. But for the most part, when they use the CG, it works. But the practical is great. The sound design is is phenomenal. I'm telling everything. Yeah. This I've never. I love when this happens for the podcast, and people like roll their eyes probably and say, "Oh, just so happens when you record a podcast about it, you notice all these new things." Sometimes that does happen, and with my new system and, well, the, and the TV, and it happened. Well, it's true because like, we're we're, we're oh. actually trying to look at it to discuss on the podcast. So I don't think that's a bad thing. You 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 might be true. saying like, "I think it happened with video drama for me again." Like I say, I pick something new every time I see the movie. Yeah, I noticed James Woods was in it this yeah, time. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> What do you know? <laughs> no, I love when I love that scene when they first appeared. To me, that you know what they sounded like? They sounded like a mixture of the predator and like a raptor from Jurassic Park. That sound he makes at first. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably on purpose too, like to to, to kind of be a, like a, a combination of of different monsters that we've we've experienced yeah, before, before. They become this 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 screaming, just terrifying nightmare. And it's a fast paced movie. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, it it, it definitely moves. I once mean, they once they descend into the hole, so like is the descent like a play on? <laughs> I, I know it was good, and I, I that was crazy. I read that it was originally called Glory Hole. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to say that with a straight face, and uh, so it descend into madness. Though her madness, like what happens? There's, there, it's a play yeah. on words here. By the it end, is she, a play. yeah, great, great stuff all around. I, I'll give it a nine out of ten, and I think it can only go up from there. Brilliant. I'm going to say one more thing before I... Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, it's okay. Yeah. I'm just really high on the movie. Um, Something else about the relationship. I like that Juno will not leave Sarah. She's like, no, we have to... The thing about this, it's such a dynamic relationship because I see Juno... And yes, I think she's really attractive. Sure, and I, but I don't think that's that that's the reason I like her. I think that it's a it's a character who isn't a necessary isn't necessarily the heel. I, I understand that's her role, and you're supposed to maybe cheer when she shoots her in the leg at the end, uh, and, and leaves her not shoots her, but whatever, and leaves her to, to die, so to speak. But you see this. The relationship between them, it's like Juno is doing all this to make things up to Sarah. That's the whole thing. And no matter what, she's like, no, we're not leaving without Sarah. I'm going to make sure she's okay. She, Time and time again, she's trying to prove herself to this woman. And it's like I said, it's like she is trying to do right by her. Overcome so it's with almost, guilt. That's what it is. It's just overcome yes, with guilt. Yeah. I don't think she's a terrible person. I just think she's made a bad decision when it, when it comes to, a, you know, yeah, you should never do that. Sleep with your, you know, your... You're one of your best friend's husband or carry or, on a relationship with Or them. stab your friend in the neck or leave her to die. Yeah, but... No, I totally agree with you, Dave. I'm, I'm only making jokes because okay. I totally agree. I don't even think there's... there's. I think the only antagonists in this film are the crawlers themselves. I don't think right. any of the uh, the human characters are meant to be antagonists. 
So you kind of have a very mixed reaction at the end when she does uh, stab her with the, uh, the the pickaxe in the leg. It's almost yeah. like it's almost like you understand. First of all, she's clearly like not she's out of her mind at this point. I, I think a rational sure. Sarah wouldn't have done it, but she's clearly just you know thinking about all the things that uh, that she's lost and 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 she just harnessed all the guilt to to Juno, even though they're all yeah. responsible in their own way. Well, you have to remember, she stumbles on the girl. Who is it, Becca? She stumbles on her. She finds out that Juno left her for dead. You yeah, know what Beth, I mean? So now she Beth. is that Beth. So she is that going too. She's like, okay, you probably, you, you, I know for a fact now you fucked my husband. And now I see that you killed this girl. She doesn't know the reason behind it. Uh, you killed and left her to die. So her motivation at that time does make sense. You know what I mean? But it's almost tragic because Juno was really trying to do right by her. And it's just, that's that's why it's a dynamic relationship in this movie. I really I really fell into that this time. I was like, man. Well, more complex you know? than just simply making her an evil bitch. I mean, yeah, yes. well, look, Beth, that's Beth, it, right? Beth was good friends. Yes. Beth, Beth seemed to be better friends with uh, with Sarah than even Juno was. So, and Beth knew. Sure. So Beth, Beth's partially right. to blame. Who knows what type of relationship? And and now I'm getting maybe a little ridiculous, just trying to <laughs> examine what type of relationship Sarah might have had with her husband. But there's. You know, there's a bigger picture here, and it, the whole point is it's not just one person's fault. It's just sort of like the tragic consequences of all these bad choices on a lot of different people's parts and the circumstances with which they end up in and how it plays out. But as just a creature feature, it's 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 amazing. Boy, is it. Boy, is it. And, and uh, all the characters are great. Like I said, everything's great in you know, you really feel for the characters, and yeah, even Juno. And, well, Juno, anyway, is Boom, man. Oof. Nine out of ten for me also. Nine, yeah. 9.5 for me. I'm pretty high. I'm awesome. pretty high. 9.5. Not going to make the haul. Just Damn missed it. I was it. Hoping, okay. I was hoping, man, because it blew me away. That, you know when that happens, when you watch a movie, you're like, wow, amazing. You know, and that, that's how I got this time. But anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm just happy that uh, it, it was a total night and day experience for me. Yes. Yeah, so. I'm happy you came around. So all the listeners that have doubted you before, Keep doubting. Keep doubting. Keep, keep, it's like I'm keep martyrs. Keep yeah, that's what I was, say. I was just about to say. Keep doubting, ATN. Amazing. Amazing. Look at how you knew. You knew the line. I was about to I knew it there. too. Yeah. Keep doubting, One of the best ATN. of the millennium. What are you going to do? Oh, my God. That's, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Okay. Awesome. Let's go. Next What's up? Hell Knight. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Triple R, Hell Knight, 1981. Four college pledges are forced to spend the night in the deserted old mansion where they are stalked by the monstrous survivor of a family massacre years earlier. This one's directed by Tom Simone. I gotta be honest, oh this I knew of this movie because I love the artwork, and I think I saw scenes from it at the same house that was across the street from me that I saw scenes from Nightmare on Elm Street and Silver Bullet, and a bunch, and a few, well, not a bunch, but a couple other horror films when I was young, before I really got into it. But I never saw it until much later. Uh-huh. And then, I, I, I think it was years, and I watched it for the slasher show. And it really won me over. This is a fun, fun slasher. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <sighs> it, checks, it checks all the boxes for me. Like, uh, 10, 15 minutes in, I'm like, yes, this is 1981. This is Did you hear year- Brandon, though? I don't think Brandon agrees. No, I I, I, it's it's so strange because I I almost agree with you guys that it it checks the boxes of what should be a really good fun slasher film. I just I do not enjoy this film. It, I don't know what it is, but every scene in this movie is intentionally dragged out it, in this slow motion sort of way 
that it's like, are you kidding me? Like, what is going on? I know what you mean. And and it's it's a suspense thing, but it could almost be, I think that's the age of the film too. But back in the day, I don't think you would have had that problem. I totally agree. I think they drag it all out, but they drag it out. And I love it in this case because all the, the cinematography is actually really good for a wow. low, lower and, budget know, film. Just, it misses the mark for me. You don't, you don't think that, I mean, it, it's slow. I mean, what I mean by slow, it's like when they're walking and they're, and they're trying to check out a strange noise, it's a long sequence. Oh my God. Yeah. And I just, I, the kills <laughs> I like are it. so, the kills are so inconsistent for me. There's like one or two really good ones. Otherwise everything else is like a really wasted opportunity and sometimes even looks goofy. Well, it's a slasher movie, but not, it's like Funhouse in a sense. It's not a standard slasher movie. It's kind of like crazed monsters living in the cellar of this house, yeah, in the caves yeah. of the house. And I don't know. It just even, even the characters themselves are just I, – I get what they're going for with this ca- contrast, with the, the rich boy contrasted with the poor girl who can sort of – who could change, a, you know, change her own brakes and change a tire and stuff like that. Like, but I don't know what it is. I, wow. I don't like Linda Blair in this. I don't really like anybody in this. What? Th- what? The, the, they make the characters nice compared to like most of the other movies right. that wrote. I think they're boring. I think they're boring. I think they're very wow. one note. The best part of this movie for me is the whole backstory of the family. They're and they great. give you the whole backstory of how each, you know, of the um, the guard family, you know, the first child was this, the second child was named this, and this and this. And then to just have, you know, sort of like the big twist being, spoiler, that... <laughs> two of them are still alive instead of one, isn't really that big of a twist considering they say they only found three bodies. Meanwhile, there were six of them. The twist should have been there was a third one alive and it should have been Suzanne since they described uh, since they described her walk. I think it was Suzanne. It was either Suzanne or Margaret. I think it was Suzanne. They described her walk. It's like dragging her foot. Like That would have been a cool scene at the end when, uh, when Linda Blair wakes up in the car, uh, Marty, whatever her name is, when she wakes up in the car and gets out. And then you just hear like a dragging foot. I, see, this is what I, I do. And sometimes like it hurts a film for me is when I think of like better ways to do it. But this I is okay. That. Sorry, Dave, you go. Cause we've been hogging the conversation here. Go ahead. No, that's yeah. okay. No. And I get that. And I, I can't hate on this because I used to have this exact same problem with this movie that B is having. Now I watched this maybe four years ago and I probably watched it in the initial run in the VHS days and just passed it off as another thing. And when you're the slasher came around, I watched it again for maybe, well, I'm going to say it the third time, but prior to that, I, a lot of people put this on like top 20 lists, especially of 80 slashers kind of like just before dawn. It was one of those movies that I watched and just never understood what everybody loved about it. Now, uh, when I watched it for the slasher show, I came up a little. It didn't make the list. It just missed. It was one of those 6.75s. It was hovering on the end there. It was an honorable mention. Uh, so it was there, and I liked it a little more. This time, I, I, I liked it even more. I think I had, with this movie, like you guys both had with Just Before Dawn, how you guys came up each time. That's what's happened with me in this movie. But I can't say I can hate on what B is saying, because I used to feel the same way he did. But maybe because I have the blue now... And I can see everything, and I can see the kid. I remember saying it on the Slasher show, this is a movie that needs a blue because it's it's too dark, and there's some other things. And the blue, while not the greatest quality, but it's the best we're going to get, does help out. I enjoy it. I enjoyed it even more this time. And it's like I said, it checks the boxes. It's, mm-hmm. it's a 1981 film that fits in with all those 1981 Slashers. It's just, I mean, yes, some are better than others, but to me this is more on the upper 
than on the lower. Absolutely. Where, I agree. And, right. and we're not talking about, we're, I'm not even talking about great range. No, it's no, good no, to no, very, it's, it's good to very good. And yeah. it, it's, it's just a lot of, it's a lot of fun, but it is deliberately paced, but they've got a great location and they, they, I think they use it well and they, they up the ante when they take it down into the, 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 the caves and yet yeah, Brandon I could agree with what uh, with what you're saying but there's a bit of instead of looking at it as a detriment it's kind of the charm I get from it yeah no I know what you're saying I don't yeah. and I don't hate this film I don't want it to come off like I'm going to give this a super low score because I'm we're probably going to wind up in the same area <laughs> it's going to be one of those again. <laughs> but, but no but the reason why I'm so disappointed after watching it for I don't know if this is my second third time seeing it but uh is that I see so much potential in it, and I don't know why I, I cling to some of the things like, you know, obviously there's been a police investigation here. How come they never found the underground tunnels? Like, it just seemed like something very easy to find if police were investigating this. Like, I can, I can forgive that, though, but there's just too many missed opportunities given such a great setting because I do love the atmosphere of the mansion. And I do like some of the practical jokes that the guys are playing, but once the killings start and everything, you know, I, and I don't know what it is. I just... I don't think the characters are that, that strong. I like Seth's character. Seth's character is my favorite of this. The girl she, he's with also, uh, Denise, the well, one who disappears quirky. and yeah, winds up dead. Yeah. She's quirky and funny. Yeah. I, I thought your name was Seth. You know? yeah. Well, yeah, she's I cool. got to go to the John. I got to go to the John. I thought your name was Seth. Well, he's good too because like you said, like you think he's going to get the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah, and You think he's yeah, dead he for sure. But he comes yeah. back to try to save the day only to get fucked. Yeah, that's, and that's that's a stand. You never see that in a slasher film. Like a stand-up character that gets away and actually comes back. Usually they get killed like right outside when they escape. But yeah. he actually makes it, comes back, and you know, ultimately gives his life to to save Marty, but no, but yeah, cool. I thought I thought that scene that on the cool. fence was yes. uh, was really suspenseful. That was a yes. great scene. And when do you see somebody get out, get away like that, and actually go get help? When does it ever work in slasher? Well, that's what Never. we just say. We just yeah. said that. I don't know if we cut out, but that's what we were just saying. That that's yeah. what that's the the great thing about it because usually you figure that scene would have ended with him slipping and impaling himself on the fence or he jumps down on the fence only for the killer to be on the other side and kill him or something like that. Like he never gets away. And then not only that tries to get the police, they don't believe him. So he steals a shotgun to go back to save the day. Or try uh, the good old days when you could break into the evidence room so easily and just <laughs> grab any gun you want. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But it worked. I like that he got there and they didn't believe him because, you know, it's the it's Pledge Week and it's that house and they've probably been yeah. getting pranks all night. I dig. By the way, they never come out and say it. Is this Halloween night or is it not? Because they're all in costumes. Yeah, well, it's weird because why would it be fr- – uh, wouldn't that be a little late be doing all these pranks and freshman stuff for school? Yeah, that would be happening in September, not October. That's what I'm thinking. Then why are they all in costume? That's something I for don't fun. get. I think it was for fun. I thought it was supposed to be Halloween. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I think it's, I, I wasn't 100% sure. And- no, it makes it makes sense for it to be, uh, for it to be around Halloween. If, you know, if college starts up, you know, in September – or end of August, and, you know, they're pledging a fraternity or sorority, you'd usually pledge for a number of weeks, and then, you know, Hell Night might be the, you know, this is the, your last thing before initiation. So your belief is that this is Halloween night? Yeah, I could buy into it. I never really I, thought about it. I mean, obviously, it looks like it should be. I don't know. It looks like it should be, but I don't know, and there's not a definitive answer. I think it's kind of funny that uh, they actually have a cigarette girl at a, at a fraternity party. Like... <laughs> 
That's like that's when do you have a cigarette girl? You better have a you know that's something you see at a mansion, I guess. You know what I mean? Or a, a, a high class bar. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. This is a you know this is a rich fraternity, and you can see all the girls are sort of snooty and stuff, and like the president of the fraternity is really, uh, you know, he's sort of this like the the rich kid, the pretty rich boy, even the the pledge, um, Seth is you know like a pretty rich boy, you know that he's that whole conversation. He's from Frontal Chapter. Yeah. Yeah, Peter Barton. Yeah. 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 And it's funny because I knew he was in this movie and the guy that B was just talking about, the guy that leads I I'm going by memory, I know that that Peter Barton's in this movie. So when I see that first guy, I thought that was him because he looks a little bit like him. And then there's this one scene when the kid says something to him and he says, "Hey Peter, when are we going to start initiations or something?" And I thought that he fucked up and called him by his real name. And I recorded it even. I was going to play it on the show. And then five minutes later, we're introduced to the real Peter Barton playing, you know, playing the Jeff role. And I was like, oh, okay, that's Peter Barton now. But for when it first started, I thought that was him because it, it, it kind of looks like Maybe that. if you're saying tangerine. Yeah. And this is the movie where they say gorked out like a million times. Gorked out. That was the word. I love that. I don't even yeah, know what gorked. that means. I didn't. Gorked I had to out. look it up. I'm like, what the hell does gorked out mean? My <laughs> biggest nitpick of it was always like, who lit the candles when they first got into the house? Because they start lighting more candles from the lit candles, but they're already illuminated when they come through the doors. Well, you assume <laughs> uh, Peter and, you know, the other brothers and sisters, since they're like, True. A, would set it up because they're going there. True. Fire because hazard. they acted like they sh- they shot the lock here, right? <laughs> yeah. They shot yeah, but the with, lock, with but blanks. I have a feeling they got in. <laughs> yeah. With blanks. I have a feeling they got in earlier and did their own thing. Well, they, they did because they had all the things tricks. set up for the sound effects right. and stuff. So true. So that but, was a joke. Yeah. Because how? Why would they have to break into that place every year? If that's something they do every year. <laughs> why would they have to shoot a lot? Yeah, every exactly. Year? You know. Why, like, I mean? if it's been done every year, then Brandon's right too. Then why is this the first year that they, everybody ends up getting killed and attacked? Oh, <laughs> then they haven't done it. Every, they have Hell Week every year. Yeah. But they probably have never gone to this place before. <laughs> well, Actually, you... don't they say that's part of the initiation? Is they got to spend the night in the in the castle? Maybe they've never done it on the anniversary before because that this was the twelve year anniversary. I don't know. They have initiations. I don't know. I, I don't think. I'm pretty sure they said this there. is this is part of the initiations. They got to spend the night in the uh, in the mansion. I don't know if it's just meant for this one or for all of them. I, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's valid, but it. Then this is when I go. It's forgivable because it's a slasher film, and you either have to accept that or you don't. Some people get a little bit more uptight about that. So, but why is it forgivable? Because it's a slasher film. I accept it for what it is. It doesn't it doesn't ruin the movie. But yeah, there's there's unanswered questions for sure. Sure, but how is that? That's the charm of it. And how is it yeah. any different than the movies that we talk about all the time? Absolutely, that are, that are old movies, like from the, we and we brought it up on the show before, where anything from like the you know the fifties and the sixties and before, people fall in love in one day, and that's like a trope that you get in those old horror movies. You know what I mean? So if we're accepting of that, then why can't we be accepting of eighties tropes? It's just it is what it is, you know. And sometimes it can be explained. It's just like I don't know if they do this every year. I'm gonna have to watch. And, and figure out if they go to this particular house. I don't know. I don't know. Here's something funny, though. How about when the guy's explaining the story about the kids that get murdered and the guy, he takes his own life. <laughs> the words he used is that he hung himself to death. <laughs> 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 hung himself to death. How does that work? <laughs> I love is it that. hanged, too? Anyway, the way the killer gets killed... Himself. The way the killer is killed is is, is really cool because the fence does come back into play. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Like you said, there's some fun there's some fun scenes here. Uh, I liked the characters, Brandon. I, admittedly, uh, I thought they were different from what you'd usually get from a batch in a slasher film. 
I thought maybe because it's climactic, have... the ending with the kill. I'm not saying the fence, the fence, um, you know, pen, you know, I was going to say penetration. penetration. <laughs> uh, the kill, you know, him being, you know, gored by the fence. Gored. And, and uh, a good kill. But if you notice, like, even before the whole him on top of the hood, she's, like, fighting him, and she doesn't even have her hands on the wheel. Yet every time they pan back and show the car, it's doing circles. It's doing fucking donuts all over the place. And I'm just like, this is just, I don't know. It's just, I don't That's know why. a ton of movies, really bother- <laughs> I know. It was really miss? bothering me. I don't know why. Oh. Maybe this, I watched. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't hate this movie. I just saw so much more potential in it. Even when we did it for the Slasher show, it has well, it has the makings of being one of these like eight point five nine slashers. And I agree. Just, but it falls way short of it for me. I agree. It does fall short. Maybe now I see what you're saying. I see that. Yeah. Which I get what you're saying. The potential because again, it's not one of the greats. It's not Friday Two or or, or, or Maniac or My Bloody Valentine, or anything else from 1980 and 81. It's not that level. No, it's not even the burning level. But what? But I still enjoy it. It's, I don't know, maybe a, a step below Happy Birthday to me and things like that. I don't I, know. I, I think even if I look at it just from, like, not being crazy critical like I'm being, but even if I'm just looking at it from a slasher standpoint, the decapitation scene of that girl May, mm-hmm. cutaway, it looks goofy. The Peter, yeah, but the it's Peter death, The Peter death and that Scott... And that Scott kill are great. That Scott was like a douche when he yeah. calls it SWAT. He deserved to have his head twisted off. And, you know, Peter getting that, like, sight through his stomach is great. But even the Seth kill, what a missed opportunity for him to be, like, impaled on something when he gets thrown out the window. Sure. You know, Denise just disappears, and then you just see, like, her sitting at the table downstairs in the tunnels with her nick- with her throat slit. What a missed opportunity to, to show a good throat slit. I don't know if it was a budgetary issue or not, but there was just so much inconsistency because they had two genuinely good kills and three if you include you know is being uh impaled on the fence at the end it does look good it just feels anticlimactic given you know the slow methodic setup it just seems like oh well this was this was yablon is it yablon or erwin yablon yeah erwin leblon so he probably said like you know he was more about the suspense i think than the gore right so they had to up the gore a little bit based on the fact that now we're a few years later, but this is ultimately a follow-up to Halloween for him working in the same realm in slasher realm. So maybe he wanted it a little classier. Yeah, I could buy that. And speaking of Halloween, did you notice the soundtrack was a, a perfect mix of Friday the 13th and Halloween? 100% the, how can I say this? The chase music, a lot of that was Halloween, and the suspense scene sounded like the strings, the string instruments from Friday. I'm telling you, watch the. Yeah. It, it, it happened so many times. I'm like, this, okay, that sounds like Friday. That sounds like Halloween. It's weird. It's usually one or the other. This one took pieces from both of those movies and used them and did it the right way. It wasn't a complete ripoff, but you could tell the influence, you know? And I don't know. I no, like that. Maybe no, it felt it was like cool. home. Yeah. It was cool. It was and it was directed by Billy from Friday the Thirteenth Part uh, Five's brother, right? De Tom Simone. De Simone. Yeah. Yeah. Snowflurries also... up the nose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and um, I love that girl. What's her name? Um, all the drugs she's talking about. She's yeah. Like, 
How many oh, chugs dude. did you have on her? Like, anybody for a Quaaludes and JD party? <laughs> That's my kind of girl. Everything that she says that they have this, they took away. She's like, yeah, they took I, I got them all. I got, I got Quaaludes and I got Jack Daniels on me, but but they they, they took my weed and, and my coke. I'm like, <laughs> this chick, she's a she's a hot girl. She wants to party. She's got all these drugs. And then she gets upstairs in the bedroom. She's acting all hot to trot. Then she gets in the bedroom and she wants to talk. Yeah. So she also <laughs> wants to talk. She isn't just some dirty birdie. This, let's just hop right in the bed and get high. She also wants to have some communications and, and stuff like that. I don't know. Communications. <laughs> they, should have been the, they should have been the lead characters. Her and uh, her and um, wow. Jeff. Her Come and on. Jeff. Linda Blair is Linda Blair. Maybe Linda Blair... Linda Blair was terrible in this. No, terrible. I disagree too. In fact, I think she was nominated for the Razzie for this because oh, I mean she was that bad. Yeah, she was just because it was Linda Blair. That's bullshit. Oh, uh, she was she was terrible. She was oh, she was like a drugged out like like monotone, just boring version of of a leading slasher girl. Nah. I'm not saying she was the cat's ass, but I enjoyed her. I mean, she was fine, and it's Linda Blair, and she looked good, so I was all about it. You know, I don't know. I just... Yeah, I mean, she's she's an attractive girl, but I I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I don't know. She was not a strong lead. I didn't feel like she gave a shit about anyone she was truly with. I didn't feel like she really connected with the other characters. And oh, really? Just... Not with yeah. Peter or Jeff? Seth. Um. Yeah, Seth. <laughs> Seth. So the other no. guy's name is Jeff. Sorry. Yeah, Jeff was the uh, the, well, the head of. The I want to know where you where you come in, Brandon, because you you do yeah. seem a little bit more down on it. Uh, five point seven five. Whoa! Damn. Wow. Damn. Well, on the slasher show, I gave this a seven point five. It's on my top fifty list, and okay. I'm going to stick with that rating. It's a it's a fun, nifty little slasher. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, for me. I was 6.75 on the Slasher show, like I said earlier, but I have come up half a point up to seven and a quarter. Awesome. Nice. So that's where I am. And I ha- I- I'd be amiss not to say this, um, that that shot with the guy coming up in the background underneath the blanket yes. of the trap door is fantastic. I love that scene. I was bringing it up earlier, but Brandon was going on about something. And I didn't feel like I felt I've interrupted him enough tonight. So I oh, felt bad. But... It up. I totally forgot about that scene. That it's is great. A, it's a great scene. One of the really good scenes in the film. Yeah. Yes. And my notes here say great climax. So I know B didn't like it, but I, I was really invested in like the last five minutes, man. I thought it was good stuff. I enjoyed it. I don't know. There was just, you know, with the, with that setup of, 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 you know, actually naming all the family members and, and telling you what each of them had in terms of deformity. When they when they kind of reveal at first, you don't know who who this killer is, and then when they show the second, you're not even a hundred percent sure. I wasn't really sure who's who. I would have liked to have known like definitively who was who. That's fair, and I get that, and that would have yeah. been cool, like you said, yeah. getting the dragging of the feet at the end. That would have been awesome. But it, well, it, I still I still quite enjoy it. So yeah. well, I know we I know I know Brandon. Pardon me. I know that Christian's gonna blow the next movie for forty minutes, and our time is limited, so we, we better get into it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Video Drone. Video Drone from nineteen eighty three, written and directed by David Cronenberg. When he acquires a different kind of show for his station, a sleazy cable TV programmer begins to see his life and the future of media spin out of control in a terrifying new reality. I feel like I've said this on the show before and I'll say it again. I always feel like I pull something out of this each and every time I see it. And to me, that's a testament of a great are movie. Sh- are you sure you weren't pulling your new flesh? Yeah. Well, maybe I was pulling <laughs> that too. And then shooting some new flesh too. But the, uh, 
the reality is that that's the sign of a great movie. I I've said I made no bones about it. I don't know if I a hundred percent understand everything here, but I don't know if everybody anybody does. You know what? Cronenberg included. You say that I I gotta just say because I was reading about this because I didn't feel like I understood everything either, and I I love this film, and David Cronenberg is just you know he's amazing. But I read something where where I think Martin Scorsese even commented on this film and, and, and said something like David Cronenberg. When John Carpenter said David Cronenberg is better than all of us. And Martin Scorsese, you know, basically said he's brilliant. But I don't even think David knows what his movies are about. But he's brilliant. And, so, and, so you're right in that sense with it, this. Like, it's it's funny, and I'm I'm glad that you got that because I heard the John Carpenter quote before. Never heard the Marty Scorsese one, and yeah. that's great because he, what I love about him is the movie had an organic growth to it from everything I've read about it and researched about it from over the years back in the day, even reading the little essay that's in the, um, I don't have the blue version, but I have the Criterion DVD. And from the idea that he didn't have a definitive ending, he didn't know what he wanted to do. So as the movie was made, he was reconstructing it. So the subject matter of the film is pretty much how he scripted it in the sense of like the new flesh kind of it all organically came together. It's 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 so interesting to me. I don't even think I'm articulating this right because I'm so excited about talking about it. But the fact of, of of him not having an ending and going back and re once he did have an ending, him re-editing it until he felt like it represented what he wanted the film to be. I feel like it does. I feel like it does. I feel like it is coherent enough to kind of follow oh. and put your own interpretation on but at the same sure. time i feel like there's so much more that it's like like i can't even comprehend like i can't even wrap my mind around well there's so but, many things that were right in front of her face that i'm like i maybe subliminally got and they're so overt now that i'm like is this really the first time i got it so the mission that well i'll, I'll start with one thing let me i'm jumping all over the place here i'll start with the fact that a lot of the characters were introduced to were introduced first via television image yes and and maybe you don't even realize it, other yeah. than Max Wren, but we're introduced to His Girl Friday as the movie opens up, um, you know, Civic TV, the one you go to bed with and then it wakes up with her. We're introduced to Nikki Brand, or, uh, yeah, Nikki Brand that way, and she could just be a, te- a television image, a seduction, like a projection, if you will. She doesn't even have to be real. You know what? That's such a, a, a great thing that I also read about her character in particular. You know, it's that... They they basically said that after he's after he's with her on the set of the TV show that he basically is never with her again that everything else is just a projection because she basically even says that uh, not that she doesn't like him but I forgot what the line was he's a menace he's, he's a yeah menace like to society he's a menace to me yeah. yeah he's a menace to me so and I I felt like that line was genuine so like everything else was I feel like after that is just a projection of uh, of Max's every encounter with her. Yeah, but they were together on the show, so he saw her face to face. Yes, but everything subsequent, the relationship, everything building from there is, to me, you know, hallucinogenic. Really? You don't think they got together and had that, that, that whatever his place or her place, whatever it was, with no. when they were getting it on and he was piercing her and all that stuff? And no. the scars on her? You thought that was in his head? Yeah. Videodromed? I do. Hmm. I'm not saying there's a right or a wrong. I'm just yeah, saying, no, I don't okay. think I don't think we'll ever know like right or wrong, but I I really do this time. And hmm. the the uh, mission where um, uh, uh, the cathode ray mission. Yeah, well, that cathode ray mission. I mean, it's it's right there in the title of it. Cathode yeah. rays is, is uh, a sensor from a television that emits 
uh, electrons, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there's the the just the reality of the film almost changing gears, not even every turning point as the story progresses. At first, it's about like you know, Videodrome. Then he's almost like a program assassin. Then he gets reprogrammed to to fight back. I mean, there, there's a lot going on within its like ninety minute running time. But it, it yeah. it's not for everybody. But it's always been my the most intriguing Cronenberg film to me. I you know, it's certainly it's certainly yeah, most intriguing. Yeah, I could definitely say that I for the one, for the ones I've seen. And I, I said I wasn't going to talk. I wanted to hear you guys talking, and I just went on a big big spiel. So like. I, I'm more interested in hearing what you guys have to say about it. I was going to pose a question, and obviously, pose. you know, pose a question. Hey, strike a pose. Professor Oblivion. He's one of the creators of Videodrome. Correct. He's one yes. of the partners. Yes. Now they turn and they kill him because they have a secret mission that they want to use Videodrome to destroy the the derelicts and those who enjoy, you know, sex and violence and the pervs of the world. What was Oblivion's original idea behind Videodrome? Because I know he, he does all that talking with, you know, the television screen is the retina of the mind's eye. It was it was it just to create a, a utopia where everyone lived in like this television world? I'm, yeah. Like this is where it gets like to a point where I'm intrigued and I want to know more, but I'm not I'm not quite understanding. His daughter never really does go into detail about what his ideal version was but i guess yeah and then i always wondered didn't he succeed then although they said that they turned and killed him were presented to him from a video world so he yeah. sort of succeeded in his in his realm to a certain degree but uh, yeah they wanted to use it and it wasn't just i don't know if, the, if it was just derelicts i think it was supposed to be like us you know right. even horror fans even just yeah. people that are intrigued by violence yeah and, and, yeah, and, violence. And, yeah violence yeah but to them but yeah. to them we could be derelicts for enjoying violence and sex, etc. You know what I mean? It was way it's ahead of it. It was opinion. ahead of its time. It really was. Sure. You know, posing, yes, the, posing yeah. these questions now, and these are certainly issues that have not gone away. Well, it's you like can you internet. can argue it a couple of different things. Did they want to to be able to? Because they said the world's gone soft. Were they trying to conform North Americans uh, into uh, obedient soldiers that could be programmed to kill at their whim, or were they wanting us to? consume media and not worry about what was happening around in society funny enough uh you could say that he consumes quite literally media <laughs> in this movie too <laughs> boy those effects are awesome with the tape yeah rick dude. baker's effects like oh, rick baker. i've read this so many i've read this in a couple different ways because it's almost like in one part of the movie they're talking about we're we're just kind of like you know the uh the mouse and the in the maze in the sense of we're, we're going towards TV to consume it and, and to be absorbed by it so that we don't worry about what's happening in politics or the world around us. And that way we become numb. Uh, and then in another way, it sounds like we, they want to program us into like militant machines that can be programmed to go out and, and fight if they need it. Yeah. That seems like Barry, Barry convexes and um, Harlan's way, which is, you know, to turn us into, assassins to kill and oblivion's way seems to be like almost like the mind numbing let's connect with each other and you know cut out all the the craziness of the real world because you know even in his missions you know he's reintroducing the homeless to tv they each have their own like cubicles well they're like the lab rats they're the test studies before they take over cable uh, 83 and take it to the next level that, yeah, that was but the thought at this process point, he's he's using it for good 
Brian Oblivion you know, Bian- or Barry. Bianca has this set up with with the intent of 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 doing good. I think, right? I assume she's I on. Know, yeah, she's doing good. Sorry, you, you broke up on me too. I we are, are to okay. assume she's doing good because she has the ability to reprogram it. Yeah, which we find out later. But the signal itself is uh, it's supposed to cause tumors that that can ma- manifest itself into this is into this new flesh. So I in my in my essay, and it's funny that um, I th- I think Jerry brought this up when they covered it on Kill the Cast in the summer, uh, another podcast for anybody out there that hasn't heard of it, uh, check it out. But when they covered it as a group there, uh, he mentioned we never come back to him being in that hallucinatory recorder that's put on his head. Remember, he's put there and Barry yeah. just leaves him there because he can't stand freaky stuff and leaves. Yep. Uh, we And then he wakes up. And that's where the movie all from that point on is like one big like trip. And I think when he shoots himself at the end of the movie, he really is killing himself and, and unleashing and destroying Videodrome from his mind. Ascending, yeah. I, actually, from his no, mind. He's reprogrammed at that point. I think he's taking on his next form to well, continue to fight video drone well that that's what i mean so by, by doing that that's what he is shooting himself that's why i think when that guy is shot in the head and, and he falls to the ground and and all those like tumorous things are coming out of him, uh which is oh. excessively grisly and gory i don't think that that's anything necessarily real i think that's part of the hallucin hallucin why can't i say it hallucination holy shit <laughs> Are you hallucinating? Yeah. <laughs> His oh, hallucination. It, it's possible. I, I don't know. This is my second time watching this one. I bought the the Criterion blindly uh, when it was on, when they had the sale because it's harder to turn them down when they're when they're down to that price and when they're half off, you know. And at the time I bought it, I was just getting familiar with Cronenberg, having seen The Fly once or twice. We're going back, I don't know, five years or so, and um, I got. I've seen The Fly. I had seen The Brood many times and Scanners. And then I, th- I think just those three. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to buy this Videodrome. And that's it. I think that's the extent of what I see. Maybe there's another Cronenberg that I'm not thinking of, but I haven't seen Rabid. And I haven't seen, um, what's the other early one? He has another early one. Rabid and something the brood? else. No, not The Brood. There's another oh, one. Oh, uh, Shivers or They Came From Within? Shivers. Shivers. Haven't yeah. seen that. Or They Came From Within. Well, that's the same so movie. They're... It's just a different title. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so Shivers. Shivers and Rabbit I still have not seen. I had to buy this one because I, I, I Cronenberg hasn't failed me yet. Now, the second time around, I still don't know exactly what's happening, but I still enjoyed it a lot. I, I'm waiting for that view where I where I do watch it and it all hits me the right way. And I think it will happen. I just don't think it was this particular view. Once again, because I, I watched an hour of it last night and I was getting tired and I stopped the movie at an hour and six minutes, went to bed, woke up this morning, set my alarm for 8 a.m. to watch the freaking last half hour before we recorded. But I still really enjoyed it. So I'm, I'm not, you know, talking any shit on the movie. I, I enjoy the movie, but I, there's something I'm waiting for that view where I, 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 I like Christian, you said you don't understand it hundred percent and that's fine. Like, and I'll stand by that. Like, you know, I mean, and I've read fine. things of people saying, I, I feel like even when I've researched it, I've heard a lot of people say, I don't understand it a hundred percent, but it, it's part of the intrigue as well. Almost as if like you think by watching it again and again, you'll pull something more out of it each time. Mm-hmm. It's almost like uh, David Lynch, you know, like uh, again, I'm yeah. an expert on Lynch. I've just watched the lost highway for the first time last month oh, that, that's a, and a I, trip movie too yeah 
Dude, yeah, and I under, and I know Lynch's uh, reputation for his films. And like I, I said this on Duncan's show, but I'll, I'll, it bears repeating. I was watching a movie with my wife. I'd never seen it. There are any Lynch movies beginning to end. And I was watching it with her, and she asked a few questions, and she's saying, this guy is obviously the devil. And I said, well, that's the way it's going to seem. I said, but, I said, it, I go, let me tell you something about this director. When the end of the movie hits, you may not be explained what it is. So don't get frustrated because – this is the reputation he has. Now, Cronenberg, I don't think he's that confusing of a director, but I do think that this is, from the stuff I've seen, from this being the fourth Cronenberg movie I've seen, this is as close to, like, a Lynch movie. As... This is by far his most Lynchian. There you go. Lynchian. I... Yeah. Lynchian. I can say that about this movie. That's what I think it is. And you take it as it is. It doesn't, you know, would I, would I prefer it to be laid out? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, but... It didn't take away from my enjoyment, but I enjoy the movie. That's the bottom line. It's a good movie. It's entertaining. There isn't a whole hell of a lot I can say except for, you know, just little things that I wrote down, like, you know, the girl and the kinky stuff that she was into. If you were single and you met a girl and look at the way, you know, she looks and acts, she's immediately an attractive personality, attractive looking, everything, and you hover to hang out with her and she wanted you to, to pierce her ears. Could you do that? Would you do that? Yeah, and, I would do and, that. I wouldn't put out cigarettes on her, though, because I have cigarette burns, and those oof. fucking hurt. Oof, I don't want to see that either, I buddy. I, those hurt. <laughs> they, are are not, they are not pleasurable. Who are you, John Bender over there? See, this is what you get in my house when you spill paint in the garage. <laughs> oh, no, I was a crazy man in high school. I got two cigarette burns on my arm. Ooh, I was crazy too, but I didn't do the cigarette burn. No, I did people dared me. They're like, I bet, because I used to tell people, I, like, I don't feel pain. I, like, I bet you feel pain if you put a cigarette out on you. And yeah. I pretended I didn't, but oh, fuck, I did. <laughs> oh, man. You know what I used to always do? I have a high tolerance for heat. So I could take a flame and light a lighter, and I, I would, you know, have contests against other people to see who can keep their hand there the longest. <laughs> That's something I'm Your I hand's on take. fire melting, and they're like, ah! I'm, you, I'm, I'm you, still good at it. You know who she is, though, right, Dave? Of Debbie Harry. Of yeah, course okay, I know yeah, yeah. who she is. Oh, yes. And I tell you what, I prefer her with this color hair instead of the blondie style. I think she looks better with the dark hair. You know, that's just me. But uh, yeah, yeah, I know who she is. Matter of fact, all the women in this movie, there's the, the, the uh, what's his name? Phantasm Oblivion's daughter. Um, her and the Nick, other girl. Nikki, what's her right? name? No. Well, Nikki is Nikki Bianca. Brand. Nikki is uh, Debbie Harry. Bianca. Yeah. Bianca Oblivion. Shit. I can't. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Oof, man, her and the other girl. What's her name? What was her name? Was Friday or something? No, I said his girl Friday. She well, she calls her. Uh, that's At what she Friday. calls herself. Friday? Friday. Some weird name. I don't know. Either way, the trio of them. The one man. who was always checking up on him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very, Friday, very. I think. Very pretty women. I'll tell you that. But I mean, the effects are really cool, and I, I understand what they're going for. Uh, it's a little over my head, but I think it's a little a little over everybody's head, and. You know, it's tough for me to say a whole lot about it. Uh, the TV trick is really cool when he puts his head up to it and when the stuff comes out later. Like, all the all the plasticky, you know, rubbery effects that we're seeing, they, they work really well. The videotape with the breathing and all that stuff and his body and opening it up. And the effects really uh, are the highlight for me. And very phallic. And whatever yeah. the female word for phallic is. <laughs> For me, it's uh, the way the movie grabs you. So you know how Natural Born Killers grabs you, Dave? Yeah. About that, that, that. I guess that is the feeling I get from this movie. So I, I forgive the fact. That I, I don't need the movie. I don't need to know the ins and outs of the movie to love it. 
And I and I feel like the fact that it's it's left there, and I guess uh, Brandon, how we were talking about it earlier when we we're saying it explains enough to make it coherent enough, yeah. but by leaving a bunch of question marks, that's the intrigue. And I I saw that right out of the gate when I used to get like when I was a, like I'd say a kid, but a teen, and this wouldn't be typically my cup of tea. I loved it. Yeah, Yannick. Falik and Yannick. Falik and Yannick. Yannick sounds like a name, doesn't it? This is my cousin Yannick from Poland. <laughs> Yannick Oblivion. Yannick, Yannish Poha. Yannick Poha. <laughs> nice. Hey, did, did Howard Shore do the soundtrack? Yes, this he one? did. Okay, he almost always does with Cronenberg. Very good. And I, I didn't pick up on it till like the third act. I'm like, you know what? I really enjoy the soundtrack. I wonder if it's Howard Shore. And I straight up forgot to look. Okay. Quite haunting. And I guess this was really supposed to shadow even though there is a character named moses in this i think james wood's character was supposed to be that moses zymer i think i've mentioned him before he was the head of city tv dave you probably caught the feet there city tv everywhere they're a toronto station that kind of was built up by playing like things a little risque to get an audience because they were a small independent tv channel did they play Japanese porn with dildos? Uh, I, possibly. <laughs> I mean, they would be the one that played everything you, uh, you wanted to know about sex, but were afraid to ask. Cannibal Girls. They would play that. They would play like movies like that. Yeah. Uh, that would have enough intrigue and violence, and you know, you know, quote unquote questionable material that most of the other stations would censor or not dare to play. Hey, is that CTV? I remember CTV coming from. No, not Canada. CTV. City TV. City TV to me looks like a so you're saying this is a real thing i'm saying it's i think i think city tv is a real thing and i think that max wren and uh uh, civic tv was was definitely based on that civic okay okay it's based on i i I, to me it just reminds me like public access tv or something like that you know what i mean i don't know it's just what i got out of it like and, and they might play some weird things but this this city TV had a bunch of different channels you could have, right? Or am I wrong? No, no. Is, is, city TV was just one station, and it, it just okay. grew. It just grew, and it uh, it had like some key people that were there from the beginning that just helped grow the station, and and it's still it's a popular station now. It's now it's it it's more recognized as you know as a morning, you know, breakfast television morning show and. Uh, like the news and everything else, like like our morning show now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. Okay, so what's it called in the movie? Not City TV. What is Civic. it called? Civic. Civic TV. Civic. So Civic TV is just one station. It just plays whatever it wants. Whatever you put on, when you put on that channel, it, whatever they're playing is what you're getting. Yeah, they're making yeah. the program lineup. You see, they're always looking at different like risque stuff, and he's like, ah, I don't, I don't like this. This is uh. This is too safe for video. Uh, video is also treated like drugs in this movie. That was another point I wanted to bring up earlier. It's a good sure. place to bring it up now. The way that the scenes are shot and those deals where they're talking about distribution and wanting to buy the shows, it's presented like you do in the fil- in the films where a satchel comes across a table, opens up, and instead of there being cocaine or whatever, there it's videotapes. So it just leads to the whole hallucinatory subplot there uh, video and, and leading to like almost like a drug of choice and everything else so there, there's that motif throughout yeah i could buy that i could buy that i'm just did you notice that um maybe this is just me but remember that thing that his friend was trying to show him i, I forget what her name was i uh, she kind of looked at carol burnett when she got killed oh masha um, yeah okay Masha, not Marsha. Masha, Masha, Masha. Okay, so Masha, um, when she um, Masha potatoes <laughs> caught in a Masha. It's got a philosophy. 
<laughs> yes, her. Bangers um, and Masha. Oh boy. Um Masha. Anyway, um remember she was trying to show him that, that uh, she was running that show by him and it was like these people like in the past and they were uh, but they were naked. It, it looked kind of, of like sexual. an orgy but not what not Yeah. Yeah. But it was like old school looking like from like um I don't know Roman times maybe or something. Okay. Did you I don't know if this is just me, but later on when he has the gun and he goes to kill that guy, and he's on the stage talking about the glasses and all that stuff. Remember they had that stage show going on yeah. before he came on? Don't you think that that was a little bit reminiscent of that show that she was showing? I thought they did it on purpose. They probably did. Like no, in Cronenberg, yeah. that, it was probably done by choice. It's funny, now that you say it, yes. Oh, no, here he goes. <laughs> what? Are you going to say something about he broke his glasses? <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I just broke my video drove glasses. <laughs> Those cost a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Don't body slam me. That's expensive machinery you're wearing there. Indeed. But you get it though, right? That yeah. the, the dance, the, the stage show yep. is similar. This is kind of like an updated version of that. It's a little more risque and it's modernized. Kind of. It's not even set in present day. It's a it's a different time. I don't know what time you would say, but a different time period is the, what I should be saying. But either way, I just I just caught that. I, I thought that was kind of cool, you know. But I don't know. The bloody stump stuff was awesome. That freaking oh, guy when he put the tape in him and pulled it out, he had that bloody stump, and he was, oh, dude. Oh. Yeah. Yes. And and again, they used beta primarily because yes. of the, the effects. They would have used VHS, but then they realized the tape was too big for the – for the effects work of, of the slits and everything like that. So they decided the beta would be a better option so that they, oh. the tape wasn't so large. Dude, the Criterion Blue looks, when you pull it out of the box, um, it looks like a beta. It's really cool. By both ends. One yeah. side, it has the two, uh, you know, those white circles, and the other side is the the one. And when I looked at it, I go, I go, that's a beta, isn't it? She's like, I don't know. I go, yeah. I go, because the VHS had two. I go, the betas, I think, were smaller, and they had one. And sure enough, yeah, it's a beta. That's pretty cool, though. That's pretty cool. Criterion, the blue looks pretty good. I didn't get a chance to watch any of the supplementals, unfortunately, but it comes with a nice uh, yeah. a thick booklet. Like it's, they it's, do. it's the same stuff. I think it's just ported from their DVD. So it's a, it's a great it's a great little collection. But that gun fusing stuff was really cool. You know? Um, here's my problem. How come he never asks about Nikki? Nikki goes away. She says, a videodrome is made for me. I'm going to Pittsburgh. And then she's gone. And he seems like he's kind of obsessed with this girl. Then he goes on all on for an hour. He's on this whole trip of Videodrome, and I got to find who's responsible, and I got to do this, and all this. Not one time, all these people he comes across, everything he does, not one time does he inquire about this Nikki girl. No, he you does. You would think that'd be the first I thing he, he did. Yeah, he does. He does inquire about her because he finds out that she was not on assignment in Pittsburgh at all. Well, who does he inquire With the radio station that she worked for. The radio station? Yeah, but they're not. What? Are they, what can he? All they know is that she left. They wouldn't know anything about where she went. She. He. What I'm saying is, he is aware that she went to Videodrome. So when he got started getting hooked up with the underground world of Videodrome, why wouldn't he ask those people where is Nikki? Didn't even come up. And I was like, aren't you even? In the process of the movie, it does. I thought it he. Didn't come, I thought they inserted the scene that Brian, Brandon's talking about, where, where it does come up in, in the perfect time frame of kind of still alluding to it and the reason we don't see her anymore and the reason she's not there is because again i don't think she was real but i honestly think that we can't question anything like i think anything here doesn't necessarily have to be reality i hear you that's fair I, just a question no, and no, maybe it, brandon maybe it did happen and i missed it it could have that could have just as easily happened especially if it happened between the one hour and the one hour and six minute mark last night when i was freaking 
I was starting to doze, and I said, okay, yeah. I got to stop, because that did happen, you know, and it's happened this week, and again, thank goodness we only have two more shows where we have to watch five movies or more, especially now having this newborn <laughs> like thing in my house that <laughs> I'm going to bed later and I'm waking up earlier to spend time with him. So it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm at a hundred percent, but it's worth it because of how I feel mentally. So it's okay. But I'm, I'm just, just putting it out there. Two more shows. You won't see us doing that anymore, man. If we have triple R's, it's because we watched extra movies that week and we're bringing them to the table. Hey, I watched this this week and this is what it's about, et cetera, et cetera. Here's a quick rating piece. You know what I mean? Back to the well, way it used to be. I want to yeah. say, I just want to say one more thing about the end when he gets, goes into that desolate sort of area and there's the chains and he's watching and then, and that's where Nikki decides in video form to tell him what he needs to do to, to, to reach the next level. I, I do like that scene and I've always questioned whether or not in the reproduction of it. So in the video version, when he's presented the information of what to do next, I've always wondered if his hand should have been the fused kind of gross uh, monster gun hand. Cause I think uh -huh. it would have made more sense if it, maybe it was not monster gun hand there. And then you see that it, there's some subtle differences there. So he does bring it up and it's the monster gun hand still. And he, his eyes are open. He shoots himself and the TV guts explode out or the, 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 the video drum um, tumor flies out, whatever it's all gore. Yeah. But where I'm going with it is when he does it for real to, to uh, rid himself of video drum to ascend to the next level, he does close his eyes and he has the monster gun there. But I just thought maybe it would have been nice to have a subtle difference of him not having the monster gun and it just being him with the handgun up to his head in the in the video reproduction. Get well, I think that would have detail. been a much more definitive. Hey, this was all this is all still a hallucination type of thing, rather than this is you know still open for interpretation. True, but I was reversing it, saying in the reality one, it was the monster hand still. So then it is kind of like, well, wait, in the reality, it's his monster hand. But in the actual reproduction of the TV, when he's watching what he needs to do next, it would have just been his hand with the gun. I don't know. It's just the way my mind works. Yeah, just, I, I thought uh, that would have been kind of cool. I, I, I could see it, but even even with everything Oblivion saying with, with, with uh, you know, TV being reality and stuff like that, it just it gets so warped in my head. I can't even wrap my head around it. So, uh you know, I tried to keep it simple in terms of Max's story and just say from, you know, the first time he's exposed to Videodrome that he very quickly goes on a downward spiral and, and Nikki becomes sort of a, in a hallucina hallucination and uh, everything that plays out because there's so much that happens. You know, even when he's meeting with Masha, how does Masha know about uh, Videodrome and, and that it has a philosophy and this and that and that it's dangerous and, you know, like what is, you know, it's, he... he he gets that from her, but then, then you kind of never see her again. And then she shows oh, up dead true. in his bed. And it's just, it's, it's well, really... or does she? Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, yeah. Just, right. But I, and again, I, 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 my mind is going to mile a minute because I want to make sure I got all the my points out before we had to wrap up. But what I was saying is when he, when, when he puts his gun up to the head and the video reproduction, eyes are open, boom, it's a very visceral blast out that, that TV that's now labeled Videodrome. When he does it for real, he closes his eyes. So it's almost like the reproduction had no emotion. So when close close his eyes, but in reality, there's still emotion there. So he closes his eyes. I don't know. I, maybe I'm reading too much into no, it. No, that's that's kind of interesting. That could almost cool. point to the fact that maybe uh, you know that that he's clearly on the right path to destroying Videodrome because yeah. he still has you know the the, the emotions and the, the feelings and the you know evidently the fear of you know 
giving up his human form. But yeah, it's 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 a it's a mind trip. This movie. I mean, we could argue in circles about things from a note standpoint. I think I checked off the list of what I really wanted to kind of bring up and talk about. I mean, I've I've always loved this film. I, I've I've said it throughout this episode. I've said it in past episodes. Uh, I'm going to continue to love this film. Uh, so I I mean, I don't think it would be any surprise my rating to you guys. Have you guys finished everything that you wanted to say about it though? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, I mean, my mind's always been a 10 out of 10, and, and it continues to be a 10 out of 10. As expected, yeah. 10 out of yeah. 10 for you. Uh, I'll say it's a 9 out of 10, which I think is, you know, a pretty good considering I don't – I, I, I know that I'm – there's more, like I said, there's one more view where I'm really going to enjoy it even more. And I know it's coming. Maybe the next one – maybe not till the next one after that, but I know it's coming. I had that feel. So there, But there is something about the, the, about the movie, and – I, I, I do think it, it's a really great movie. So it's 9 out of 10. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great movie, and it's very core. You know, it touches on subjects that are super relevant even to this day, and it felt yeah. ahead of its time. And the, the, effects, are, the effects are amazing, and uh, James Woods is fantastic. And, you awesome. know, yeah. diving deep into the, you know, explanation of what's real, what's not, what's Oblivion's intentions versus, you know, convexes and videodromes versus the new flesh and all that. And there's still a lot for me to absorb and to watch and to try to figure out, but a, a solid nine out of 10 also. Fantastic. Whoa. It squeaks in. Yeah. Wow. I am happy about oh, that. Fame. That's great. Be happy. Yay. I'm very happy. Thanks. Yes. Very cool. I'm glad you nice. guys liked yeah. it as much as you did too. Cause I know that this film, um, it's not for everybody. Once again, there's more going on here. I, I, it's not. It's. I don't think it's. You, you can't just dismiss it as a hodgepodge of ideas. There, there, there's something definitely, uh, definitely happening here. Uh, even if we can't a hundred percent comprehend every aspect of it. Yeah, there's a there's a simpler cohesive story that you could sort of pick out of this, and that's good enough. And then the yeah. other stuff that you want to dive deeper into is intriguing enough. But if it's not intriguing to somebody, then you know, it can completely, you know, fall apart for, for them. Yeah. And that happens with me with some movies. But for for this one, it, it intrigues me. And Oh, I'm glad nice. to hear that. I'm really glad to it. hear that for both of you guys. So yeah, it's awesome. in. It's awesome. in the Hall of Famer. It's in, baby. It's in. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. We got to get out of here. Next show is show 88. Wow. We're going to be discussing 10 movies from 1988. Wow. And I'm going to tell you what they are real quick so everybody can catch up. Pin. Yeah. Plastic Nightmare. American Gothic. The Blob. Brain Damage, Scarecrows, Cheerleader Camp, Dead Heat, The Serpent and the Rainbow, The Lair of the White Worm, and Evil Dead Trap. That is the next show. So, Guy, if you want to watch along with us, do your homework. Those are the 10 movies. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We got to be out. It's been a long show. We got places to go. It's 1988, show 88 next week. But this is show 87, and we had a great time, and hope you guys did too. So, see you next time. Peace out. Hey, until the next time, everybody. Death to Videodrome. Wow. Don't let the new flesh. <laughs> <laughs> nice.